When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, Coffee and Hardcore listeners? This is Wiley Willis from Chicago, Illinois, with my co-host. Mick Cox, I'm all the way from West Virginia and hanging out here at Coffee and Hardcore. This is episode five, or really episode one of season two, which is MC'd Hammered on Crystal Clear <laughs> Pepsi. That's what we're calling it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this is a weird episode because it was supposed to be December yeah. last episode, but now it kind of became season one. Now it's January. It's not that confusing, but it's kind of confusing. You had a lot <laughs> of junk happen in the last week. Um, yeah. Some unfavorable events uh, happened in December. And I'll, I'll let Mick get into that and explain if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were prepping for uh, the release of this uh, episode. And we had a, you know, and we'll get into this in a little bit. We have a ton of stuff that we were going to do for it that was special. And in the midst of uh, December, which is Christmas and all that, we're trying to get uh, editing done. And then... Uh, the ability for me to move into my new house opened up. So that kind of pushed some things and slowed things down. We get in the, we get in our house, we're setting up, setting things up. And then that's when I find out my, uh, my dad and mom contracted COVID. And then it was a fast, quick, uh, steady move towards my dad passing away on Christmas morning. Uh, so, you know, that kind of, between all of that kind of shoved this back into January and really thankful for you, Wiley. Cause you were like, Hey, let's just not worry about this. Let's move it into, to, you know, next, next month. And we'll make it the first episode in season two, which I'm extremely thankful for. Cause it was very helpful with my family um, going through some stuff and working on all that. Um, which, uh, you know, talking about this is very uh, therapeutic for me. So, um, yeah, but, um, you know, we've, we've done the funeral for my dad last week. And then, um, from that, um, <laughs> that was, that was, we'll just give some context to when it was, it was January 1st. And then, uh, some things took place at the funeral. There's some folks that showed up that were sick. And so now, uh, I've tested positive for COVID, as well as you know, we're waiting on some results for my family to see what's going on. So, a little, little, little anxious, little some nerves going on and everything. But we're doing good. Um, uh, you know, not a whole lot of symptoms and everything. So, yeah. And you just got 
tested and had your whole family tested right before we yeah, did this right before we recorded this uh this intro yeah we um just came back from uh the medical center uh we had to do our own you know, like my wife had to do the test for the kids and so you know it's kind of one of those things that just kind of uh, a little nerve-wracking uh but it's for the good we can find out you know what's going on if the kids have it if they don't have it but also it keeps us from having to stay in quarantine longer because i'm the only one that technically has a positive test but basically every my you know my wife definitely has it because we're in the same house um <clears throat> but with this then we won't have to stay in quarantine longer than 14 days so that's way better than waiting until the end of the month to get out <laughs> yeah that's why i was like hey man we can reschedule this if you want to and you're like nope let's do it no let's do it it feels it's good <laughs> it's very therapeutic it gets you know able to talk and, and talk to other people and stuff so yeah yeah sure. it's 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 good um but yeah i just want to you know i know a lot of people who listen to the podcast and everything have reached out and sent some messages and even donated to dad's uh gofundme that the church that he worked for did I'm very grateful for that and so it's really helped it's really helped even with my mom with uh dealing with some of this seeing that all these people from all over the country you know send words of encouragement and and even donate towards stuff like that it's just it's it was just really cool to see that happen um you know because if you don't if you don't mind i'll just mention this too you know uh we talk a lot about you know the bands that we are in or were in in the past and you know i was in zao and and started that band and and honestly if it wasn't for my dad um there wouldn't have been a Zeo because he's the one that opened up, you know, the building that we use the church to practice. And we were in there three times a week. He let us go in there anytime we wanted to, if we didn't have money for equipment, he would either find equipment or donate towards it and get us equipment to play shows, you know, whatever. The first trailer that we took cross country uh, was my dad's lawnmower trailer. <laughs> that nice. We actually put a, we actually built, um, we built four walls, you know, for it and, and tried to seal it as best we can to take it on the road. And, uh, it made it all the way to Oklahoma for it broke in half. Broke in half? <laughs> yeah. It broke it. The, the trailer, it's just totally snapped, Whoa. uh, while we're sitting at a rest area, which was really good. It wasn't when we were driving down the road, but, uh, yeah, he totally gave that to us to take, to go on tour with and, and everything. So, so what, what was, the, what was the outcome when you told him you broke it in half? Oh, we, uh, we, <laughs> the, um, we were at a rest area and the rest area was different. It was in Oklahoma and it actually had a shop, a couple shops that were there mm -hmm. and they were owned by native Americans and they were basically selling jewelry and different things. And so I remember Roy Gowdy and I, the guitar player were actually inside, um, the store looking at different turquoise jewelry and, uh, we were waiting on Jesse and Sean to pull across the parking lot. And then Sean runs in and says, the trailer broke. And we walk outside and the, the <laughs> it's totally snapped. Like if we were driving on the interstate, it would have totally flipped and lost all of our equipment. Um, oh. and, I'll, and I'll never forget. There was this older Native American dude, uh, basically looked like a, you know, grandpa looked at us and was like, I'll buy that from you for 20 bucks. <laughs> the trailer? <laughs> yeah, the trailer. Because, <laughs> you know, it's completely... And so we just sit there and looked at it and we we're like, what do we do? So I ran, uh, this is before cell phones. I ran to a payphone and called my dad and mm -hmm. said, Hey, the trailer hitch broke. What do we do? And he goes, um, I don't know. You close to a U-Haul. I said, we can find out. And I said, we're going to, you know, 
this is done. What do, what do you want us to do? He goes, just take the lights off of it. So I went back over and borrowed a screwdriver from this old grandpa dude. And he gave me a screwdriver. And I took the back, you know, the taillights off this trailer and threw them in the, in the truck. And uh, the guy, we sold, we sold it to the dude for like 30 bucks. <laughs> and then we, we found a U-Haul place an hour away and we went and went in to rent it. And, you know, we were like, yeah, we, we got to get back to West Virginia. And he goes, all right. And so he set us up, but we didn't tell him that, you know, to get to West Virginia, we we're going to drive all the way out to California and then all the way up to Seattle and then all the way into Canada. Because you're still on tour. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we drove from Oklahoma to California to Seattle, up into Canada, back down and then across the northern part, northern part of the country and made it to Purple Door Festival in Pennsylvania and then came home so we took the long way around to west virginia i remember we <laughs> I, I i remember we, uh, jesse and i were the ones that took the trailer back and we basically just like took it in and like tried to run we like, <laughs> like dropped it off and like through you know there's no keys because it's just the trailer we're like just dropping it off and like here you go we're, we brought it back <laughs> yeah that's crazy yeah <laughs> and if i if i'm not mistaken i think when we were in california uh we were in some huntington beach california and we we parked in this one spot and i'm pretty sure that trailer got tagged i think somebody spray painted their tag on it so and you you just left it there like that yep just (laughs) just returned it (laughs) so you already paid for this trailer to to use it right uh well we i mean we rented the yeah yeah you rent yeah yeah, you rented it but i'm saying like did you rent it for a certain amount of days we just told him we were bringing it back to West Virginia. Like gotcha. we didn't tell him how many days we we're going to be gone. <laughs> gotcha. Cause I don't, I don't know how, I know how you hauls work, but I don't know how the trailers work. Like if you, if you have it for more than like five days, do you get charged extra? I don't know. Oh, that doesn't matter. Why are we talking about this? I don't know. Next. It was a good story. It was a good story. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I mean, why are we talking about renting trailers? Why am I going, am I going into the details? <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> The story uh, was great. Yeah. My part, my part, my contribution to the story, not so much. Uh, <laughs> oh man. So so let's get back to this. Right. So in this podcast, uh, we're talking to Rich of Everybody's Coffee, and they're giving away some cool stuff. They gave some stuff to us. Uh, they gave us some coffees, some t-shirt, uh, mugs buttons so yep. we're, we're we're giving that away right yeah we're gonna do a giveaway yeah uh, also we chat with steven from turbo vamps and the frisky Morris podcast right and good buddy of mine yeah that's a good interview too i really enjoyed that so i'm excited for that to come out so people will be digging that pretty much we also not only are we giving away this stuff from everybody's coffee but we still have the zeo preface right. albums to give away so we, are we giving away uh, vinyl and a cassette? Is that how we're working that? Yo, check this out. All right. Let me look this up. We have four bundles that we're giving away. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, okay. So we're going to give away two coffee bundles. And the coffee bundles, like I just mentioned, have, let's see here. So bundle... Okay, we'll do bundle one. Bundle one has the Zayo preface, preface, whatever vinyl, right? 
right? It right. has a Frisky Morris and Friends Turbo Vamps split 12-inch vinyl. It has a Turbo Vamps 7-inch. It has a What's Your Damage split, and it has the Suicide Prevention Comp on it. So that's kind of like a, a multimedia bundle. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> bundle 2 is an Everybody's Coffee bundle. It's got a T-shirt. It's got a bag of coffee from Everybody's Coffee. It's got a coffee cup. It's got Welcome to Chicagoland comp, comp that we're giving away. And it's got the Suicide Prevention Comp. That's bundle two. Dang. Bundle three. Another multimedia. We got Zale Preface, Preface, however you say it, on cassette tape. <laughs> okay. Blue cassette tape. Nice. We have a two-minute minor snake that its own tail, seven-inch. We have a What's Your Damage, seven-inch. We have a Turbo Vamps, seven-inch. And we have a Suicide Prevention Comp. Dang. So what's number four? Bundle four is basically the same thing as Bundle two. It's It's got the coffee cup, coffee, shirt, two comps. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And so I think what we're going to do is we're going to, once this comes out, we're going to have people share it, right? Yes. And they're going to tag us. They're going to tag Coffee and Hardcore. Yes. And then they're going to post it on either Instagram or Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. And we will be doing a drawing. Yes. And we will be giving away. I think we'll probably start that drawing in February. Nice. Because I don't know when this is going to come out because we still gotta, <laughs> we still, we're still so working on the date on that yeah 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 <laughs> but so. i like i said i, I kind of wanted to put all the names in a hat and have your kids pick well yeah dude so we'll, that. we'll draw for bundle one bundle two bundle three you know oh yeah yeah so since we're talking about stuff dropping do you want to talk about what you guys got dropping in february Sure. Do you want to to throw that out there now? Since you know this is coming out in January, so is that okay? I think so. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm excited for it. I know other people are excited for it. I think you should share it. Oh yeah, and that whole Facebook Instagram debacle, we got that taken (laughs) care of. Remember when they released them early on the stories? Yes, yes, yes. I'm glad you got it. (laughs) It was out for like six days, though. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's not like we're a big band or anything. Right. But like, but think if like, I don't know. Think if like a big band had something dropping, oh, yeah. and they didn't want it leaked. <laughs> and it did. Like floating around on these stories, you know. <laughs> Luckily, no one cares about us. But anyways, <laughs> two minute minor kids album. It's all '80s and '90s kids cartoon themes, and your family had a lot to do with it. Yeah, too. yeah, they're stoked to be a part of it. <laughs> really stoked uh, it's funny because on reading rainbow libby and i's favorite part is when your son does the giggle at the end <laughs> we rewind that and keep listening to that you gotta drop it in right now now <laughs> and again right now now <laughs> But it's so funny. I seriously, I have to at least listen to it two or three times. Oh. Like, it's so good. The giggle part is the best. <laughs> I have to keep listening to it. But anyways, yeah, we did 10 kids theme songs. 
and we have like 20 something kids doing game vocals. Oh, yeah. Um, they basically made that record. <laughs> <laughs> like we did it all lockdown style because right when we were, we've been, this has been in the works for a while, for at least a year. But right when we were about to do it again, they locked down Chicago again, basically. Uh-huh. So we did it basically just like the lockdown, those two lockdown records we did. Like we all did it on our phones or our computers. Um, what we had to do. Right. But we're raising money for suicide prevention on that. All the download money from that goes suicide prevention. We're selling them for $5 a piece, the CDs. So, yeah. Look, yeah. Artwork looks killer, too. So Yeah. That's by Mick Lambrew from Australia. He did the he did the Make America Hate Against last Slapshot record. Oh wow. Artwork. Nice. So it's it's good to have. And he did the Up the Pups artwork too. Oh yeah. Okay. Nice. Oh, speaking of Up the Pups, we're doing Up the Pups Volume 2. Nice. And Mick's doing the artwork for that too. And <laughs> I know. <laughs> I noticed I noticed you were wearing the Bitter Truth shirt. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be on it. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Yeah, I saw um, where Skeletones is yeah. opening back up in their tentatively, tentatively. Tentatively, yeah. Yeah, for September. September. Bitter Truth and the other band we really like, Worse Self. Worse Self. And then and Larry, our bro, yeah, our bro Larry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iron yeah. Sharpens Iron. That's pretty cool. I don't know. I might even have to go to. It's only like a three-hour drive for me. Nice. No. Grand Rapids. It's closer. Than... Yeah, it's like two and a half. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think I, I think Grand Rapids is closer to Chicago than three. It is. Yeah. It's closer. I w- I was thinking Kalamazoo, where where all where Jeff is, and we did practices for two minute minor. That's three. Wow. Grand Rapids is close. Yeah. Welcome to season two, yeah. episode one. Coffee and Hardcore Podcast. What now? Hello? Hello? All right. So it is coffee review time, and we've got everybody's coffee from Uptown Chicago. Rich sent us some stuff to taste and check out. And uh, you want me to go first? Yeah, man. All right. So I got the Abyss, and it's, of course, dark, which is what I tend to like. And uh, I thought it was uh, it was good. I, I had to give it a couple tries um, because I think I made it way too strong the first time. I did it in a French press, and I did way too much. And I made it in the middle of the afternoon. It was right around the time the bags of coffee came because I was so excited. <laughs> And yeah. made it way too strong and um i kind of turned me off a little bit so i was like okay we'll give this another try we'll do it tomorrow and did it the way i normally make my coffee and honestly it was it was really smooth smoky uh i i tried it black and liked it and then of course i do the way i normally do my coffee i'm, I'm a wuss i add some cream some sugar and i dug it i mean for a dark a dark blend um it was pretty good I dug it. Um, did you drink it out of your everybody's coffee cup that he sent? I did, <laughs> which is which is pretty sweet. Like, yeah, yeah. Look at you I, got it right there. Dig it, man. 
Tell, um, tell everybody what the back says. That's my, I like that slogan. Yeah, it, the back says everybody means everybody, uh, which is kind of cool because it's like almost like an, an infinity because it's everybody means everybody means everybody means everybody. So I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. Um, it is cool. Yeah, and uh, I actually took a picture of it, posted it up on my Instagrams, and I actually got some comments on it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Instagramma. Yeah, people dug the the you know the saying or the, the slogan. So yeah. So I dug it. I, it, was, it was pretty good. Um, I know we compare everything to Oak and Crow because that seems to be like our, our favorite one on the show. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, it, this one's kind of hanging out down there where, where Just was, like when we did Just Coffee. So I'm kind of, because I got a dark coffee from them as well. And so I would say it's just a little bit above Just is where I'm going to go. Okay. I, I, I mean, I would... If this is in my house, I'm going to drink it. It's not. I'm not going to regret it. I'm not going to hate it. I'm going to, you know, I'll drink it. It's, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So is that my cue to start? <laughs> no, like you can go. You can go. I was, you know. I don't know if you had anything more to say about it. No. Super smooth, smoky, the abyss. It's dark. Nice. <laughs> so... I like, so I like that every bag of coffee helps house and feed. This is what they say in their bag. Every yeah. bag of coffee helps house and feed our neighbors experiencing homelessness. And I know that they team up with CCO, which is a cornerstone community outreach here in Chicago, which is a homeless shelter. Um, shelters. They do a woman and children shelter and a men's shelter and I follow them on Instagram and I know a lot of people that work there through the church that I was a part of in the community for a long time. And they actually do, they house people, man. They're putting the rubber to the road. They're, you know, putting the sneakers to the ground and they're actually doing this. They're actually um, speaking their words that it's on the back of this coffee bag. So they post pictures of you know people holding keys to their new apartments or new houses or whatever and oh man that's legit they're, yeah they're doing it so i give them so many props for that like that's just that's huge and that's much needed in any community and uh so the coffee that i had was the uptown honduras and brazil blend medium roast it says uh, you know has pecan caramel balance kind of flavors and um i know the smell when i was grinding the beans uh was brewing it it was very comforting smell for sure um to me it kind of had a sharp taste it wasn't super smooth to me um it did have a it had a bite to it but i didn't mind that at all honestly um it has an aftertaste that it was it was a welcomed aftertaste and I think it's a solid cup of coffee. You know, if I if I'm gonna rate this thing, I'd probably give this thing a B plus. Now, it, where did you where did you say it was from? I think it's a decent cup of coffee. It looks like it is the Honduras and Brazil blend. Yeah, I'm wondering if because I've had some coffee uh, beans from those places before, and I'm wondering if that's the if that's kind of the taste what was the yeah. word you described like um it wasn't smooth it was, but it was uh i said it was it had a sharp taste to it yeah it had a bite to it yeah i'm wondering if that's the that's because that's from that area 
Yeah, yeah. And and again, I'll put the disclaimer out there that in no way whatsoever are we professional coffee tasters right. or drinkers. <laughs> <laughs> we just know how to taste coffee. So I was talking to my wife about this and actually this morning we were talking about she was teaching me how to so we got this dark matter coffee and she was teaching me how to actually taste it like you take a sip you kind of gurgle it a little bit and throw it in the back of your mouth and she's right like all those flavors came rushing in my palate and I was like dang this is crazy like I didn't know that's how you're supposed to do that and she was like you know it was cute on the first episode because it reminded me of little kids not little yeah little kids like in school trying to uh tell their teacher how a piece of pie tasted and i was like oh hell (laughs) (laughs) he's like no it's not a bad thing you guys aren't you know professional coffee people and i was like no i know and we don't we we don't you know say we are we don't pretend to be. it's Um, just it's just funny because you and i probably drink coffee for probably the same reasons we grab it because to drink it in the morning and then when you're at work it's something that you i don't want to say it's a pick-me-up but it's like you know it's more than just drinking a coke or a i don't know it's just yeah. different it's so i stay away from soda so yeah coffee right. is like my so it's like yeah, a drink. i don't know it's like a it's not like i'm professionally tasting this right <laughs> like what do, what do they call the wine tasters what are, what are those guys called Oh, I don't even know. Is it a? I'm not gonna butcher it, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of the I'm sure episode. They do of, the same thing where they drink it and swish it and yes, all that stuff. Because but. I watched an episode of Parks and Rec where they go and try to find a a wine tester for a oh, oh for the restaurant. Yes, for the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, for dude's restaurant. And that guy that yells, <laughs> Aziz Ansari. No, he's the one that has the restaurant. It's the guy that. Uh, oh yeah, he's like. It's in the later seasons. Yeah, yeah, he comes yeah. in and he yells all the time, and he wants to be the wine taster. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this. Yes. <laughs> I can be the wine taster. <laughs> yeah, and he's tasting the wine. And he goes, "It tastes like a bad day with your boyfriend when you're <laughs> like." He goes through the whole long story. <laughs> that dude, he's uh, funny in like small doses for sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if i had to watch a show where he was like the main guy i don't know if i could handle it um yeah so i just want <laughs> it we went down a side road there but we did it all know, tied together <laughs> it was a good it was a good solid cup of coffee and yeah. i love that they give back to the community and they roast right next to the t-shirt printing shop that i work at and all the employees that are there are super nice and super welcoming and i always get to smell coffee roasting and so that's a plus for sure. And number one thing is they're giving back to the to the community. And when we talk with Rich, you'll hear about uh, why they got the coffee that they did and uh, who it's helping and how it's helping them. And so I think they're very communal-based coffee company. Well, I know they are. Right. And I think that's huge and that's very important. Um, it's a good cup of coffee. Yeah. I recommend it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I've had terrible cups of coffee, and this one definitely isn't terrible. Right. But again, our standard is Oak and Crow, so. Right. <laughs> that's that's going to be a hard one to beat for me. I like that we measure everything in Oak and Crow coffee now. Right. <laughs> it's, it's the standard. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the golden star. <laughs> so yeah, if you're coming in under Oak and Crow and you're, you know, you're at a B plus, it's, it's legit. That's legit. <laughs> Especially a B plus from people who don't even know what they're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> Especially how my wife said it, uh, kids who are trying to describe their favorite pie. Right. Legit. Right. <laughs> I was like, well, at least she's honest. Right. <laughs> We're just two kids drinking coffee. Uh, exactly. And that's the thing I was telling her. I was like, I kind of feel weird, like deceptive in a way, because Coffee and Hardcore started not because I knew anything about coffee, but because I woke up in the morning, just made coffee and would drink it and listen to, to records, you know? And so when the whole thing started, like I said, I was just posting pictures of album covers and, you know, drinking coffee at, you know, four thirty-five in the morning and trying to wake up and trying to listen to some great records. And then I started posting it online and just try to get some, local bands are not as well-known bands heard by people because I thought they were awesome. And they started saying, Oh, thanks. You know, I know we already talked about this on the first right. podcast, but thanks for, you know, putting this stuff up. We sold a few records. We sold a couple shirts or whatever. And, and then people reaching out like, when are you going to, where's the podcast? What, isn't this a podcast? I'm like, no, it's just weird pictures of me holding records and drinking coffee. <laughs> well, why the hell is it that? Put it on a podcast. <laughs> So here we are. <laughs> How? We don't know. All right, that wraps up the review of Everybody's Copy from Uptown Chicago. And uh, we'll have Rich on here in a little bit to tell us more about it. the next level what's up everybody we welcome rich troche of everybody's coffee so what's up rich rich is hey, a husband he's I a am. father he's one of the main people in everybody's coffee machine keeps yeah. it rolling keeps it running my business and, card uh, says founder so if i if i was really oh. flexing i always say fa- i'm like founder runner. are you a yes. co-founder though right i am i am one of the co-founders yeah uh, uh, sorry, I, Glenn, you were, you were, already, and I already screwed up. Wiley, you, uh, <laughs> you now were we have to have that conversation you, with the little I know, listeners. you were, you were introducing <laughs> me and, uh, and I cut you off. So I apologize. No, you're fine. I was just going to say, fun fact, everybody's coffee, roast their coffee right next to the t-shirt shop that I work at. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I get to smell, uh, Rich's, uh, hard sweat coffee work and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, disclaimer you could add this in mick that there's no sweat in no our sweat. coffee <laughs> <laughs> no sweat uh, in this coffee uh, um but also I'm still, yeah. I'm still in the introduction phase though by the way okay Ooh. <laughs> this, we're off to good starts here the rich is a skateboarder a texan a coffee tycoon a fan of punk rock and mm-hmm. lives in an intentional community of a few hundred people his coffee company also raises money for cco Cornerstone Community Outreach at Homeless Shelter here in Chicago. So let's get into it. Rich, Yeah. how did you get into working and basically running everybody's coffee? You were at one point Uh, a train hopper, and then you completely switched directions. I did, yeah. Uh, (laughs) 
thanks for letting me cut you off like eight times in there. I'm just so I I was telling you as we were getting going here. I'm I've been excited about getting to to be on the podcast with you guys, and also Great getting to listen you. to your previous podcast. So I'll do my own shout out. If you guys haven't listened to the other podcasts, you guys got to <laughs> listen to the other episodes. They're they're just solid. Um, if you accidentally stumbled on this one, this go back one, and yeah, to the rest. <laughs> and it didn't go down the line. We've got we got some things. Um, okay, so you're to kind of get us going. The question, right, was how how did it all get started? Yeah, basically, right. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, yes, I used to travel around. I was train hopping um, and uh, pretty punk. I was pretty anarchist, pretty against the the world. I uh, took off. I took off at a pretty young age too. I was like a runaway, so I took off when I was like fifteen, and um, I kind of disappeared for like a year or two. And and uh, what's been amazing now, because I'm a, I'm a married parent now, like I can't even imagine what my family had to kind of go through at that time. And so now, like my fam, like being reconciled with my family and really having those connections now, it gives me a lot of perspective. But yeah, so taking off at a young age, train hopping, super punked living the anarchist lifestyle or what I, I deemed that and really trying to uh, be against the man, which is funny because I am so the man now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I pay taxes. I pay a lot of taxes. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, we, I, I, I ended up kind of, yeah, my, my life was, I think I wanted to be just, you know, free and alive and, uh, live off the fat of land a little bit and I was just really yeah this punk kid who didn't want to be told anything or what to do and listen to whatever music I wanted to listen to and do whatever I want to do and and uh it went great until it didn't anymore you know and then I realized like oh I can't fly or you know I'm not invincible uh and so I I think life has a great way of doing that it quickly teaches you your limits and so that's um, does that too, eh? Yeah, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so I I ended up, I guess, trying to figure out kind of purpose, like what I wanted to do. And really, what I look back and realize now is I was really not feeling business. I, I felt like business and uh, economy, commerce, all that was like the evil thing, you know, and those are the punk songs, like tear apart tear apart those banks, bring back that money, you know? Yeah. And so, um, but you know, what's funny is I look back now and I realized I was just really, I think against myself because I really do enjoy business and I really do enjoy like what the ability to like impact society through, uh, through a business or through commerce or through these things, uh, the ability now, but at that point, I think, what I really was rebelling against was myself was like my, my actual things that I liked uh, being, yeah, just hustling really was hustling. I loved hustling and I loved all that. And, and then as soon as I called that business or commerce, I was like, no way, man, I'm not the man, but I'll have side hustles all day, you know? And, uh, (laughs) and that was a skateboarder too. So I'm like, I'm just like skating. I am. Yeah. I'm so I'm slower uh, now. (laughs) Or as my as my uh, my bone doctor said, I'm not as aggressive of a skateboarder. That's what it's like. You gotta, yeah. Well, like uh, what? You gotta have a a, bone doctor when you're an older skateboarder, 
right? You do. You have to, <laughs> or you will literally fall apart. <laughs> I love. Um, we're yeah. I, I love. I, I get to see you guys' face expressions. They're very helpful in this. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my first introduction to Rich uh, Mick was I was sitting at this table, and I don't know. There was like five or six people at the table, and they're like, "Oh, look, it's it's the Rich guy," and I'm like. What are you talking about? I'm not rich. I don't have a lot of money. They're like, no, no, you got the same tattoo as as rich. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, someone has a similar tattoo. And I'm like, I got to see this rich guy. So I remember I, I think you were at the skate shop and I saw you. And I was like, holy shit, he does have a similar tattoo on his face. That's cool. <laughs> show show Mick real quick. Yeah, it's kind of, you don't meet many people who have similar face tattoos. Oh, like, wrong side. Yo, wrong side. I do that all the time. I'm always like, look at this. And they're like, nope. <laughs> like yours is is it two lines it's two lines and some dots on the top yeah, and then some dots under my eyes mine's three lines yeah and it has words in it <laughs> no words just lines but that's crazy i had no idea that's how i that's the first time i ever met you and knew about you you know the guy with the face tattoo like yours yeah and i think you later told me the story wasn't it for a friend of yours that got in a car accident and died uh those are these are uh, those are on my hands, actually. Oh, on your hand. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Um, I did his brother. His this is probably where where the story combines. His brother got this tattoo. He had it. My my roommate who died had that tattooed on his face, and then his brother got the same tattoo on his face. And I did that tattoo for for my uh, my um, roommate's brother. Gotcha. So yeah, no, it was a really meaningful tattoo, and I did I did that on myself too. I know. Tattoos are that way, man. They have this, you can like, that's like a podcast in itself. I'm going to pitch that to you guys as the, oh, for sure. as the entrepreneur guy. I'll be the like shark tank. Here's my ideas for <laughs> tattoo stories. Um, um, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, just to wrap, I'll, I'll get there. Uh, my round out was um, we, yeah, I ended up, I think realizing, well, I had the opportunity. I was on my way. One of my traveling buddy who also has a face tattoo. So it's all, We'll just keep the face tattoo as the, as the, <laughs> as the thread. Um, he was starting a snow shoveling business up in Minneapolis. Snow and shoveling, so, hold up. Like I, snow shoveling? Yeah. Or snow plowing? No, shoveling. Oh, wow. boy. Lucrative. Lucrative business. Um, it was you're on call anytime, and uh, you essentially just like straight up when they call you, you're out there shoveling snow, but it's big contracts. And so like people are pilling, willing to pay a lot of money to have you come oh, shovel cool. at any point. And especially in like yeah. Minneapolis, man, that's oh, yeah. like, yeah. Snow I know small. all about shoveling being from the UP. I know. I'd be good at that. <laughs> I, dude, I'm from South Texas. I didn't even know what I had signed up for. I, be it, I had not, <laughs> I never spent a winter in the North. At that time, yeah. I always went south when I was traveling. I always went south when winter oh, came around. I'd for go good reason, yeah. Yeah, so I was in like New Orleans or Florida or back in Texas whenever it was February or January. So I didn't. I had zero idea what I was signing up for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, it, I didn't. I didn't make yeah, it up. It becomes, there. It's an arm workout. <laughs> yeah. No, truly. Um, I I ended up stopping in in Chicago because. Um, one of my side hustles is I was a sound engineer. I helped run sound at a small venue in South Texas called Enthos. And um, then I got picked up to do sound at this Christian music festival called Cornerstone. 
And so starting in 99, I would come and do whatever. I did a lot of back rigging and then I would do sound and predominantly at the underground stage. So and you were for the Brian. Line. I did. I worked with Brian Gray. I worked and with Robert Darren. Goodwin. Darren, right? Um, Darren, they were more over at the encore stages. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And so, so yeah, um, working at Cornerstone is really what connected me to this intentional community called uh, Jesus People USA. And so I was on my, I'd never, I, that's all I knew about it. It was this, this intentional community. And so I was yeah. on my way to Minneapolis and I was gonna, there's a train that runs from Minneapolis or from Chicago to Minneapolis. There's a, a, a commuter train um, that you can ride. And so my plan, I had gotten a ride to Chicago and then I was gonna, I called ahead to see if maybe I could spend a day or two to check out this, this Jesus people community. And then I was gonna hop the commuter train up to Minneapolis and do the seasonal work. That did not end up happening. I got to, to Chicago and um, at that time, this, the Christian community had started a, um, a, uh, like a discipleship training school, like a, like a, it's You're like not a talking about P12 month. though, are you? P12, yeah, that's exactly yeah, okay. it. I took yeah. P12. Oh, there you go. Common thread yeah. there again with Wiley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so then, uh, yeah, so while I was doing that, um, the guy, this guy named Tim, who's kind of part of the businesses in the community, he had bought this coffee cart and, and then us, some of the skateboarders wanted to start a skate shop or there's another, like an older skate guy who was like, I want to start the skate shop. So then the idea was like, you guys can, we'll help you get started on the skate shop, but you got to like roll this coffee idea into it. So, cause people aren't buying skateboards in the winter. Oh, I didn't know that. That's how it started. Yeah. So they're like, if you, and they kind of, you know, they're like, I paint this story differently depending on how I'm telling it, but the real truth of it. So here's the exclusive. They kind of put it to me like, dude, if you want to be a part of the skate shop, you're going to have to learn to do coffee. So are you, are you up for it? Cause if you don't learn coffee, no skate park, no skate shop. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. Okay. And, but for good, for good, for, for the best. So is that actually, why you guys serve coffee in there? Like kind of later on in the beginning? Yeah. In the skate shop, right? You did. From the beginning. We served coffee. Oh, yeah. From the beginning. Yeah. 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 So, so I remember a, I went in there with Kevin Garza. Okay. And oh, shout out train yeah. hopper. That was a good train hopper reference. Another one. <laughs> Kevin's my bud. He was my roommate for a long time. He, he's Kevin literally for my honeymoon. I, we decided we wanted to go off the map. So we're literally out in the mountains in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina, like no cell service, no nothing. And we're walking down a street in the middle of this small town. Like you oh, couldn't no. find it on GPS. And here comes Kevin Garza <laughs> flying down the street in like a cargo truck. And I yeah. see him and he sees me and we lock eyes and we point at each other because <laughs> we're literally in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina. He shows and up in we random just, places. <laughs> yeah. And we just, and so then we ended up having breakfast the next day and uh, he literally had like, he was supposed to come to the wedding and then he had like sent me this like, you know, random Kevin text, like, sorry, man, not going to make it. Um, yeah, I'm but, stuck somewhere know, that doesn't have a name. Yeah. And then congratulations. And then sure enough, we got, so yeah, I got to spend my honeymoon with Kevin. It was, it was a great, that's cool. Yeah, it was a great, yeah. It was a I lot saw of him in Kalamazoo, Michigan. When I was there, I saw him walking down the street and I was like, what? 
So I'm like, hey, Kevin's, and he came and stayed with me for a few months. That's just, that's the randomness of Kevin. <laughs> you know, to, to, yeah, to not to go on too much with Kevin, I think Kevin is who was like, I was like, who's this wily guy? Everybody's like, dude, have you seen the dude with the, the face tattoo? Like, that was similar. People came to me and were like, did you see the other dude with the face tattoo? And, uh, and Kevin was the one who was like, yeah, man, Wiley's a solid dude. He's amazing musician. Like he gave me like all this, like just heavy cred line on, on Wiley Willis. Yeah. So then I was like, all right. <laughs> uh, and so I, I, so sad, I, I apologize I, that I never, I don't know if I ever like enter straight up or we had like an introduction period. I just remember like a couple people were like, Wiley's so cool. And then I was like, okay, well, he's so cool. So I just kind of, I know that that world is like that sometimes. Yeah. None of that happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) What did I, I said again? That dude's a turd, but he has a face tattoo like yours, so get to know him. No. (laughs) And I hopefully, Mick, I've gotten vouched in a little bit. Like, Rich is a cool dude, so I hope I I got (laughs) that. that. Yeah, that happened. It happened. Okay, good. Okay. (laughs) So... Um, yeah, so the, caf- the the cafe and the skate shop started. Yeah, and um, we did that for about five years, and uh, and they were both great. They grew, and so then we decided to kind of split the businesses, and we started out as just a pure non for profit business, which was super awesome and a great introduction for me because again, I was like still pretty like, you know, f the man, and uh, we're gonna break down the monarchy, and uh, At I'm this trying to point- think of all the. What's that? At the point when you started the actual coffee shop? Yeah, 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 for okay. sure. Because, because, okay. and I love, I still love the Robin Hood uh, style of business, like take from the rich and kind of give back. And so, um, so then when we split the businesses, we kind of had to do some like, because we were, we were growing in size on the cafe side. We we're going to triple in size, and a big part of what we were wanting to do with the model of that business was to be able to give back directly to the homeless shelter that our community helps run. And so to do that, we needed to be a non-for-profit, or sorry, a for-profit business. Because the for-profit can donate to a non-for-profit. It looks kind of weird when a non-for-profit donates to another non-for-profit. It's kind of like, yeah. what's going on? So um, that makes sense. So then we made the jump and uh, we became a for-profit business. I became a full-on capitalist. I just tore every anarchy. <laughs> Or them all up. He Brillo padded his tattoo. Yeah, off I had to get all my tattoos off. Anarchy for life. My squatter's <laughs> right tattoo had to come off real quick. Um, and uh, <laughs> shout out to anybody who gets that reference. Um, but yeah, and then I, uh, uh, yeah, we we started a pure cafe and we added a bakery and a breakfast and lunch menu. And then our roasting has been our newest, like when I say newest, uh, three years. Um, has been our newest venture of really sourcing coffee directly from the farmer. And that's kind of, it's been way more approachable on my end because all my family or all my dad, my dad and all my, my family on that end is from Paraguay, is from South America. And so I was going there um, or I was trying to go there at least once a year. And so then I just started kind of rounding that into like, I'll fly to Central America and then I'll fly to Paraguay to South America on my way and so and then started meeting with different producers different farmers and and started building those relationships and so that's what we're I mean my goal right now especially on the coffee side is sourcing as much coffee as we can directly uh, and pairing directly so that's 
so that's where we're really able to impact on that end where we can really invest with the farmer and pay a super fair wage. Um, and because coffee is set on, um, and I think you guys talked a little bit with somebody else about this, um, is set by the stock market. It, so it has nothing to do with quality. It's just whatever it's trading. And that's called uh, the C market. So the commodity market price. It's usually right now, it's been like a dollar a pound of green coffee, which if you think America right now is buying at an average 20 to $22 per pound of coffee, and the farmer is getting a dollar of that. And then That's also crazy. having to pay their like neighbors and friends who are helping pick that coffee. So just that breaks down pretty quickly. And so for us to be able to pay like an average of four to $5 a pound per green. Um, so that's, that's almost whatever quadruple C market, depending yeah. on whatever that's coming in. Sure that uh, yeah. I, I did a talk recently with, um, high school this is pre-lockdown and COVID and all that but um, uh, there's this Latin school here in Chicago and they do like these really cool interactive so I was on a panel and I was just talking about like uh, you know you should just to give some reference like a dollar per pound is what the some of the farmers we were working with they were getting paid that for like 12-15 years and then when they started we started working together we you know, started paying $4 a pound. And so they, they're paying four times as much, uh, or, you know, getting four times as much in one year. And so I was like, you know, you guys, when you go home, ask your parents, like, what would you do if you made four times as much, if you took what you made this year, and you, you know, times four, like, would we be doing really well? Would we be doing like, okay, like, what would you do if we did that? And my hope, I mean, yeah, exactly. But (laughs) My, my hope was for those, the, the high school kids to kind of have that interaction with their parents of like, That's like, let's say their parents into someone's head though. Yeah. They make like their parents make, let's say 70 to a hundred, a hundred thousand real nice, but hundred thousand a year or something. And then they go make 400,000, almost half a million dollars a year. Like that's right, like, crazy. that would be catastrophic. You'd be like, dude, we're, we're going to go to the Hamptons or something, you know, it will change your life. For sure. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what people like that. I don't make change your life stuff. and open up a lot more options for you to grow your business for sure and i think that's really been the what we've seen on the uh, producer on the farming side is seeing where we're kind of it's really investing we're really investing in that business side and seeing because the the producers are making they're really taking care of the coffee they're sorting it they're processing it so really a lot of care goes into that quality and so we're really able to pay for quality which again, is a whole nother subject in itself. Why, why we wouldn't do that just always. Um, but I was, I was going to say, man, so you guys are, you're giving back to the community in Chicago, mm-hmm. the CCO. Yep. Um, it so even says per- on your labels that every, yeah, every bag. For, yeah. For every pound, coffee. we give a, a proceed of that goes straight back to the, to Cornerstone Community Outreach, the, the shelter here. There are the okay. second largest shelter in chicago and the largest family shelter yeah um, don't they have a men and women or a women and children's and a men's shelter right they have actually like four programs that's pretty amazing they have like single men's program single women's program a family's program which is pretty they were the first to kind of do this that in the city because mm-hmm. and back in the day if you were homeless and had kids they would send your kids to dhs and then you yeah. had to just go to the shelter which is just insane and my my personal opinion but um so now families are able to to 
uh, who are experiencing homelessness are able to kind of um, find housing together. And then uh, they also That's have um, a single, like a single parents uh, program as well. So yeah, it's, they're, they're an amazing um, uh, just organization who's been going for over 30, 35 years. Yeah, 35 um, years, yeah. Yeah, and they recently just did a lot of upgrades um, to the shelter. Yep. Uh, Phil had me come in and help uh, paint it and strip it down, and when COVID hit, you know. Yeah. So that was they, that was fun to do. They, I didn't know that you were a part of that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, we went in and, and uh, cleaned it all, and then power sprayed it, and yeah, it was it was a good time. Yeah, they they're nice. Yeah, they're they're really going for especially in kind of COVID times they've really reworked their whole program just so that there's a lot of uh safety precautions in and um I will say shout out to our city of Chicago they've really our mayor and all that has really gone out of the way yep I uh she did a press conference today anyways they've really gone out of their way to make sure those who are at most at risk or like for you know at um uh, different facilities, stuff like that, that they're, they're the most, like really have um, the ability to get tests quickly and a lot of different options and stuff. So that's been, yeah, that's been cool to see. She's All right. I'm, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. No, no, you're fine. You actually, I know I sent you the outline and you kind of answered some of these. So that's really cool. Um, and I knew I that would happen. Looked, I haven't even looked at it. So, so, but let's bust into this real quick. This is okay. this is pretty cool for the listeners. You offered to do a holiday gift basket giveaway, right? Yeah, we're actually they're at the printers, the boxes themselves. And yeah. I was really pushing to try to get one here, so I could be like, "Yeah, here it is." Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, talk about it. Uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, we're we we're excited to do a giveaway, and I know we never really. I think we're gonna do two different gift boxes. Yeah. And one of them, I'd love to do uh, one. So it's a gift box with a bag of our coffee and a uh, mug, which you guys are both rocker. Oh, yeah. I know you got. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time I come around the city. <laughs> and then uh, we'd like to do uh, the second gift box. Uh, similarly, a uh, great bag of coffee uh, and then a thermos. Ooh, Ooh a thermos. Yeah. Ooh. Check that out. Oh, those, those are, are cool. Are they? Uh, so they're kind of like they're, those. They're like they're Tumblr brand. Yeah, and what's oh. amazing is they're uh, they keep things insanely hot. Like what those we cool. I had a sample one that I gave to our baker, mm-hmm. and uh, he he was like, he's he was filling it up, and I told him I was like, dude, you're gonna want to like leave the lid off so that yeah. you can like let it cool down and he's like nah it's it's fine and i he came back like an hour later he's like it burned my tongue <laughs> yeah his tongue melted <laughs> um yeah if you guys want a sneak peek of what that looks like well by the time yeah you're listening to this it'll be on our website everybody'scoffee.com we'll have it in our merch our gift and merchandise uh you'll be able like to see the gift boxes so you can go and see the cool custom printed boxes that we're going to be sending out we already have like 20 pre-orders on on them wow um which is cruel uh i'm very grateful again a lot of uh a lot of support during this time has been awesome from a lot of our our regulars and and just people who kind of are kind of seeing that even in the midst of this craziness we've really been trying to as much as we can support both ends uh the biggest win for us this year 
or at least me, or that I'm calling a win for us is there's many wins, but one of the ones that means a lot to me is uh, we were able to buy all the coffee that we bought uh, last year from all the, all the farmers that we bought from last year, we were able to buy the, all the same amount of coffee. So we were able to keep all of the relationships and the contracts and oh, all awesome. of, yeah. Uh, and that hasn't been the case in a lot of, uh, and, and not to speak ill of anybody else in, uh, in coffee roasting and all of that. It's just, if you're not able to, to sell the coffee or if you're in a place where um, being able to get the coffee to you is not a possibility, all these different, you know, scenarios has, has kind of broken down the supply chain where a lot of farmers aren't able to have, weren't able to sell some of the coffee or, or there's some logistically problems. And so um, for us to be able to, to buy all, all the coffee we did last year was again, for me, like a personal, just like a, yeah. So what, uh, speaking of that, yeah. what er, what area is it that you guys are working with these farmers? Yeah, no, um, we are, so coffee is kind of seasonal. So it depends on like where we're getting it from or the, where in the year it's being picked and we're getting it from. But right now we have been sourcing our coffees from uh, Central America, predominantly Honduras, um, Brazil and uh, Peru and Colombia. Wow. Yeah. And so we've been working with some really cool um, exporters in uh, Peru and Colombia who have like very specific uh, different regions of farmers that they work with. And then, um, and similarly in Honduras, uh, we've been working with a really cool, um, which he, uh, this guy named Benjamin, he's kind of a, it's funny, like in the music world, uh, there's like those just really cool people who everybody kind of knows and uh, they're like, yeah, um, it's similar in the coffee world. <laughs> and so uh, one of the, the really just cool people doing great things in Honduras is this guy named Benjamin and he's a younger guy like us. And um, I think sometimes when people think of coffee farmers, they think kind of like the old guy on a, uh, I don't know, on a donkey. Right, like your your classic, awesome. How America paints a coffee farmer. I want to be an old guy on a donkey. Yeah, I, that's where I'm working towards. Um, my, but my, yeah, but really, the farmers and and producers we work with, a lot of them are are you know this next generation of coffee farmers who are like fourth generation, fifth generation farmers who are really trying to develop kind of this next. And they're on Instagram and they're on WhatsApp and they're like, "What's up?" And so. Uh, it's been cool to just very vividly kind of see the things that are are happening at Origin. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the predominant areas. Um, but I just think that's awesome because you know the places where this stuff is being you know farmed and everything. You talked about how you guys are uh, giving into them more than what you know more than a dollar a pound. I mean, that, sure. that impact on that community, because, you know, like wherever they're at, the community works there. So this, you're not just helping the one guy or the one family. You're actually helping an entire community. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. So I don't know that I love hearing stories like that, because when you can put together from what I'm drinking in my cup of coffee is more than yes. just, you know, what I bought at Kroger. You yeah. know, I'm actually doing more than that. My money's going to help and awesome the homeless people. shelters in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm helping a homeless shelter. I'm helping the company. I'm helping farmers and you're, one, two, you're three, helping four countries. You're helping everybody. 
everybody's coffee. Everybody means everybody yeah. means everybody means everybody means everybody. <laughs> there you go. And it all works. <laughs> so everybody's coffee was featured in a Netflix original show episode. Mark yes, yes, Marin, is that his name? The comedian? Mm-hmm. Uh, the show uh, called one e- of the, Easy, right? Easy. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, sorry, fine. that's the name of this podcast. Uh, me interrupting you. But yeah, and Mark Marin is like one of the most like prolific podcasters he has the ftw podcast if you guys oh, haven't listened to yeah, it yeah i did know that it's freaking he's like one of the the like demigods in podcasting yeah, people are i like, haven't heard it i, I kind of have I, he has like this clip show that i've seen on youtube where he does it does, i haven't heard his whole podcast but he puts clips together or whatever kind of mm-hmm. like joe rogan does you know yep yep um but if i remember correctly wasn't carl sullivan was the barista in the episode he right? was so one of our other founders, uh, his name's Carl Sullivan. Um, uh, he, so he's, he's a little older than me and um, he's got a big beard. He kind of has that, that Gandalf look if you're looking for like, yes, he, he definitely, does. he does hundred um, percent. But yeah, so we got approached by Netflix um, to, to be in the show. And actually they're so cool, man. They, they bought us out. So they bought the whole shop out to do this. And so I took the whole staff on a, uh, on a, like a uh, field trip. <laughs> we all went and had like a great lunch together and like did like a outing. What does it those... mean to buy you out? They like rent it for. Yeah. They rent it for like hours. Uh, no. Way. And uh, because they eat and drink our stuff too, they like, they let us know like what they wanted so that we could have it available so they could use it in the shots and stuff. So Carl we were... was the only person there that was working. Yeah. They asked us to have somebody stay behind. Um, just well so they asked us to have somebody to stay behind just to serve like because my my thought was like dude uh yeah, me and carl were talking about it. i was like dude serve serve the, the the whole crew i don't care anybody everybody serve them coffee you know really mm-hmm. just like uh, hospitality is our business so we want to make sure everybody feels welcomed and so even when we're doing a like a netflix thing and so um we baked a bunch of stuff not even to like put this display, but just to have like, Hey, you guys want cookies, anything, biscuits. And so, um, so the plan was Carl was just going to stay behind and be kind of the liaison, make sure that they were all taken care of. And if they like wanted to fake, like fake turn something on, we could like be like, all right, just push that button right there. And so were they going to have an actor be the barista? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was the plan. And, uh, and then I don't know, something changed like literally as like all our staff was there because we were open that morning and then they were going to take over for the rest of the day till evening. And so I brought all our staff in to meet and then we were all going to like go. I think we went to the beach first and then we went uh, our friends who own a restaurant. They like they did a full menu for us, like our whole staff mm-hmm. and uh, like specifically to. I really, it was just like a fun, I, I wanted to be kind of a team building thing. So I was like, perfect one-on-one, like we can shut the shot. Cause you, you know, we're a seven day business. So seven days a week, uh, like I'm going to say 300 and we're only closed eight days out of the year. Wow. wow. Yeah. And we're open like 14 hours a day. Like we're open from seven at that point, we're open seven in the morning to seven at night. And then like wow. an hour ahead, an hour or like it takes us an hour to open, hour to close. Yeah, so you have 14 crazy. hours a day, seven days a week on site it's a lot of, you know a lot of crossover a lot of staff yeah. and so for us to all be able to get to do something together is not usual so, so i don't mean to cut you off but i'm no. how did carl get into this okay man <laughs> so carl was literally 
gonna okay yeah so carl was literally just gonna be there to like oversee and he had like taken the bullet like he didn't get to go on the fun outing so we yeah. were all like feeling bad for carl but so funny funny you know carl again he he doesn't but now he's a star he is so he <laughs> doesn't play like by any any like rules of like he is he's his own man you know what i'm saying and so he showed up in cargo shorts and a neon green sh- or neon orange shirt because he's you know this is a background guy yeah and as i'm leaving the director stops uh me because they knew both of us were kind of the dudes he's like listen man we're gonna need a uh we're gonna need a barista. We want somebody to to just to serve drinks. Uh, I was like, okay, well, I can't because I had to like put together the outing. So I was like, I can't be that guy. I was like, but our other founder, Candy, is like, okay, cool. And so then Carl <laughs> walked up in his neon orange shirt, his cargo <laughs> shorts, and he's like, he's gonna need to go to wardrobe right away. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so they put him in like they put him in like a cool thing. And uh, wasn't he wearing like a checkered shirt or something? Not like checkered, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. a flannel. You can go, yeah, you can go see the great outfit, and uh, I think it's yeah the first <laughs> season of first or second season of Easy um, with Mark Maron, and uh, yeah. So, but even on top of that, I guess after we all left, and I guess uh, Carl, they were like, "Hey, you know, actually, we want you to interact and like talk and stuff with the with the actors, and so you know, we're gonna have you sign all this stuff. So you're actually now on you're a SAG. You're like." He's on like the Screen Actor Guild. Like he has an he has an uh, IMDb page now. Nice. Look at that. He <laughs> thought he was hitting the shaft. He thought he was staying behind and serving. That's right. And now he's an actor. Now he's got a card. He has like an he has a SAG card, and <laughs> he has an IMDb page. And so shout out if you want to go to you know Carl Sullivan IMDb. It's like the one credit is Carl Sullivan on Easy. You can leave a review. Uh, and That's then amazing. And and he gets like royalties he'll like show me his little netflix check that he gets no way yeah that's amazing i know and i'm like dude you hey speaking of royalties we need to take a minute and applaud mick cox for getting his first zayo royalties ever oh dude yeah that happened last month yeah yeah that's awesome they put out preface and those were and uh splintered shards and those are songs that he wrote back in the day and He'd never seen royalties from them, and they sent them royalty checks. And speaking of preface, we're going to be giving away a vinyl and a cassette in your gift baskets. Everybody's caught the gift baskets. Dude, that's so full circle. So Zayo is going with these these boxes? Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Dude, I can (laughs) – I've got so many, like – well, Oh, yeah, don't you have a Zayo story? Yeah, well, there's a couple. I mean – so, you know, Parade of Chaos, I feel like, is, like, a soundtrack to a part of, like, a like 3 a.m. skateboarding in South Texas. If, I, if I'm if i awake at 3 a.m. in South Texas, a Parade of Chaos just starts playing in my mind. <laughs> if is, that was, like... Is that the one with the dude with the suit and his face was, like, burned out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That was that one? Yeah. I remember and that one. Splinter Shard, that's, like... I mean, all those albums. The best uh, one. That's the best one, man. That is the best one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I could, another shout out that's not going to probably go anywhere, but this guy named Alfredo Ros- Rosales, uh, we grew up together. He was the biggest Zayo fan. And so nice. so you can correct me. So you used to, to lead sing, right, in Zayo? No, I was the bass player. 
you're the bass original bass player, bass player who original helped bass start player. the band. Yeah, original bass player, and then who started it. Yeah, there is who is the original singer? That would be Eric Reeder. Well, Eric. and then who? And then and Sean then Jonas. And then Sean Jonas. You yeah. might not know who Eric Reeder was because Eric Reeder was never on a album. He was on like the demo stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. My buddy Alfredo would tell me these things and be like, you know, Eric was like, he was the like a ride or die forever. So if he ever hears this podcast or knows that I got to be in just a conversation with him, man, he's probably going to be like, what happens? <laughs> that's cool. That's and he's awesome. like a, he's like an accountant now. So that, that'd be great. <laughs> it's just, that'd be awesome. No, um, but yeah, so Zayo is predominantly because of Alfredo. Uh, he brought us like from from like the early early song. He would like just bring, and he's originally from Mon- Monterrey, Mexico, and so he he wow. was a fan there. Like so, just oh, to give wow. you some, yeah, uh, some reach on that one. So I, that's how I heard of Zeo, and then um, all the like the uh, I'm gonna I call it I called it nameless, but it's self titled. The self titled though, I I would call it nameless, and they would all make fun of me. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> Where's that nameless album? Because I remember when that came out, and they're like, "You mean self-titled?" And I was like, "Okay, okay." So all which yeah, one, Mick, which one was the self-titled? What did that cover look like? No, I don't remember what the self-titled cover looked like. I think at it all. just was like a Zayo. It, it said yeah. Zayo. Yeah, it was just a plain, it was <laughs> just a plain so. one. I know. <laughs> it had the band name on it. <laughs> I think I, I'll be honest with you. I think by that time, you know, that's that's. A, that's a few albums after me but i you know just connect knowing yeah. and connecting jesse i would say by that time he was just kind of done with solid mm-hmm. state and was ready to move on so sure. i think he's like oh yeah what's the next album going oh you know uh self-titled. How about self-titled, self-titled. <laughs> how about no name yeah yeah. yeah so hey i got a quick story real quick that i want to it has nothing to do with hardcore but it has to do with rich <laughs> um oh, man. so do you remember when I forgot the name of the guy. He, like, older people kind of, like, in their 50s and 60s would know him. Or mid-50s. Stephen Taylor? Steve Taylor? Christian singer? You don't know what I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about. Okay, Steve Steve Taylor. Is that his name? (laughs) Yeah. So... I didn't know who he was either. So Rich is like, I don't, he's going to know the story once I get into it. But okay. So Mark is like, Hey, Steven Taylor, whatever is, uh, is playing a show over at our church. We need people to help set up and you play drums and you help with drums. Could you help, uh, could you help set up the drum set? And I'm like, okay, I don't know who this dude is. So anyways, I show up and the the coffee shop is connected kind of. So Rich comes out and freaking Peter Fuller of newsboys is setting up the drum set. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, this is Peter Fuller from the Newsboys. Yeah. And Rich comes out and basically the same thing. Holy shit, this is Peter Fuller from the Newsboys. <laughs> and Mark, our boss, is cracking up because he sees these yeah. two like punk rock dudes losing their shit over Peter over Fuller of the, the Newsboys. Oh. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, that's so weird. And he's the drummer of this band. It, he it was. was weird. It was so oh, weird because he was like, so like, because he's like, usually the lead guy you know yeah and there yeah. he is like playing he's just like in the back trying to play it real cool and i was like yeah. dude come on entertaining angels bro you gotta like step it up step it to yeah, the microphone dude, that's, man. 
Well, I, was, hey, I, I'm going to get real old school because I remember when he was just the straight up drummer for the Newsboys before right. we had the original singer. That's right. And yeah. There used to be a festival in Kentucky called Igthus, and the Newsboys always played there. Oh, at uh, was it Berea? No, is it Berea? Is that the name of the college? It's off. I can't remember. In Kentucky? Uh, in Kentucky. Yeah. Or Malone. I can't I, remember so which this is. It is. So I'm a sound guy. So that was kind of, and that's what I did at uh, the underground stage at Cornerstone. But because I was doing that, I would, I went on a couple small tours and stuff. Uh, but I went out with the Flatfoot 56 guys mm-hmm. who are Chicago uh, punk. And yeah, we totally. played like all of those. So I went to Igthus, we played Creation, we played. Oh, wow. uh, was that when Cornerstone was still around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went on the circuit for the with them, and that was that was so, probably pretty cool. It was, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was definitely. I definitely had the full roadie vibe going. Like, I never wore a shirt; I just wore like a vest, a jean vest. <laughs> <laughs> and at that time, I had like my full like rat dreadlock yeah. kind of, and like super hash hair, long, long hair. And I would just wear like sunglasses all the time. Which Flatfoot Fifty Six is a very like super punk, very like. I don't like uh, oi punk. punk, right? I, I was about, I was uh, like, Wiley's going to know better than me on, on the <laughs> genres. Cause I'm not, I'm not as versed in, in that. Um, but yeah. And, uh, and then there's this like super like trash kind of Hesh dude who would like train load hopper. all the gear out train hopper. And then like, like he's go to your the, gear. No, that's our, go that's to the front of the, yeah, exactly. And then go to the front <laughs> of front of house and be like, all right, man, let's see, let's hear that pop on that snare. And so, like, um, he's the roadie, the sound guy, and a homeless uh, yeah. train hopper. That's crazy. That's, yeah. That's crazy. Uh, so by the time you got the Igthus, they probably had the several stage set up. They did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And 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 so we played one of. The, I remember that was definitely one of those like, which you probably know this better than I. When you're touring, where it's just kind of a blur, and you just kind of get out of the van. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it was like a midday, and midday show. Yeah, and I like mm-hmm. walked around for a minute, and they had like. They had like a, I think they had like a, a half pipe or something, something small set up somewhere on like a concrete somewhere. And so I went to go look at that because I had my board with me and they were like BMXers. And I was like, nah, I can't, I don't, I don't want to like get pegged in the shin. So I was like, we're, and I'm like, you know, out of it. So, and then we just went back and we played the show at like, I think it was like a 4 p.m. show or something, you know, something midday. And then, and then got back in the van and drove, drove some more, which, bigger you know bigger right whatever that sprinter thing was when uh that the time i met the newsboys in at igthus was on some back road because at this time it was still downtown and whatever city this was it was still downtown it was still like the vendors were still set up on the street and we were just out messing around we didn't play we we just showed up at igthus what year was it uh this had to be 93 i was still in high school and uh just walking around and these dudes uh on they weren't motorcycles they were like this weird scooter thing and they just rode up around us and start talking to us in these australian accents and i'm like who are these guys <laughs> the next thing i know oh it's the newsboys it's the newsboys <laughs> we're like what and so That's we ended up awesome. giving we gave them a demo tape <laughs> oh nice yeah they what put it in like, like- Zayo, Zayo, what the hell is this? <laughs> no way. What if somehow secretly that like inspired them on their next album? You just don't know. Like they're like, you know, those Zayo guys. Really I'm gonna go seriously. No. I seriously doubt it because that first demo sucked. 
So oh, man. <laughs> Plus, in 93, no one really knew who the Newsboys was in America, right? Well, it had been... What, they, what, hadn't, they didn't come out with Take Me to Your Leader yet, right? No. I think the... It was like 96, I The think, big right? album for them, I think, was Hell is for Wimps, and that was like their one of their one or two. Yeah, like an and album. I didn't even know that album, really, yeah. until later. Yeah. I only knew that because at that time, in 93 and 94, the the church that we all hung out with had a radio station. And that's when I first dabbled in doing DJ stuff. And so I'd show up on certain nights and help them with CDs or whatever. And then like it was after I left the band is when I started DJing for them. So that was a, that was fun times back then. So I kind of knew all that back in the day, like they had, a, it was mostly contemporary stuff. And then on Friday and Saturday nights, they did the heavier, heavier stuff. Heavier. Yeah, and yeah. so they, you know, they air quotes, they, right? Yes. Right. So you had the newsboys. They did play bride. I don't know if oh, you wait, remember. Newsboys was the heavy air quotes. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. Newsboys. And then, <laughs> then you, you got heavy. little, you got a little, um, you know, reckless with bride. Yeah, so yeah man. Some bride and some Angelica. Throwing out some old school. That's dad metal. Oh yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. Grandpa metal? Um, Grandpa metal at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I wish my brain worked as well. It used to I used to like have such a great catalog of like music in my mind. You know what I mean? Now you gotta push it away for coffee. Yeah, I had to make room somewhere. But I <laughs> you're like useless music facts out coffee out. facts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> weird, weird dates, EPs dropped or something. Yeah. yeah. Gone. Um, but yeah, Kids I remember, birthdays in. Yep, hundred <laughs> percent. A shot shot days to go get shots in. Yeah, exactly. Or whatever. Uh, yeah, the thing was we uh really what got me into I think the music, like because you know. Nowadays, I, I I forget sometimes. Nowadays, music is so easy to interact with. Like you can, I can pull up like some crazy obscure sure. bands on my phone like that. You know what I mean? And um, back in the day, I, like I grew up in a small town in South Texas, so like we were like just any which way we could, we were trying. And I, the internet wasn't even a thing, so we were like calling like distros and stuff, and like just asking for like mixtapes or you know different things eps stuff like that and then like um we had this like goth like goth head shop metal shop whatever and like it was all of it shop and we were and my first job was at the skate shop so like since i was like 13 or 14 i worked at the skate shop in this small it was like the only skate shop in south texas for like 400 miles (laughs) it's just like and we built our own ramps and we had like, we make like kids pay money to skate the ramps and stuff. And we had no insurance. There was no policy. <laughs> oh, there was <geez>. nothing. <laughs> um, but, uh, but we interacted cause you know, the head shop and the skate shop, you know, would like, so that was where I would go and be like, dude, can you get this vinyl? And so I remember getting like, like Swedish hardcore and stuff like that from this really weird goth dude who i'm sure had like crazy seances late at night like he was like really into it those are the best goth dudes he was like like you know you can actually like drink this amount of blood uh throughout the day and stuff yeah stuff like that and like (laughs) like, all right man um and yeah but he but he would be like yeah man i got you know this rice diet album and i think you're gonna dig it it's a swedish hardcore band you know i just threw it and so 
I forget for, for, I forget personally that like interaction with music and how I interacted with music. Cause now I like, I just pull it up on my phone or if I, yeah. I can't think of a band or if like, I'm trying to remember the like all else failed album from Zayo. I just like Google it. And then I'm like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. it. No, that's a, that's a good, that's a good point because so now you don't really need a record label to make music. Right. But now everything's oversaturated. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, all these bands can come up and come out now because they don't really need a record label, but there's just so much out there that it's hard to even figure out where to start. Well, with you guys really still interacting with the hardcore scene and music and still playing music, like, do you see, do you still see live music? Like, do you still see bands coming up the way I think we used to see? Or do you feel like, because I'm what so disconnected. Yeah. I'm so disconnected. I sometimes feel like, again, I used to tour and I used to do sound and I used to work at a venue. Yeah. Now I feel like, oh man, there is no, like, there aren't really any shows or there is no, like, uh, like that, that scene is kind of gone. And, and I don't know if that's real or if it's morphed and I, it like lives somewhere else. And I have no idea where that is. Well, I guess I know you're not talking about right now in this exact moment. Cause there's nothing no. really going on because of COVID, but yeah. I don't think it's dead. I think it's just different. I think, yeah, that's, where is it? That's really, that's really my question. Like, okay, so put away pandemic and all that, but I'm like, yeah. where, because that again, and I, just because I, I don't think I'm in it at all. So I just don't see it. Like, I'm like, what, where is right. it? Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say something that I haven't really told many people, um, especially not publicly, but it's tough. Cause I'm, you know, I'm going to be 40 in March and it's like all the shows that are, are going on, you know, we played at skate shops, we played at bars, we played at clubs, we've played at um, festivals and I don't know, man, it's, it takes a lot out of me. Like we did a last year, we did like a mini tour. Uh, we went to New York, we went to Boston, went to Connecticut and we started in, Chicago and a Philadelphia date I think and dude in between those shows like because I don't drink or party or do any of that stuff and all the other bandmates were in the hotel rooms like drinking and hanging out they're like yeah come hang out woo party and I'm like no nah, man I'm taking a shower and go to bed <laughs> like, it's just it hits me hard man and hmm. and in January we played the show that Quinn you know Quinn yeah yeah um because she's in the band that I play drums in what's your damage she sings okay and she booked this show at a like a skate park also and uh nice. it was packed it was full she did a great job in promoting it and dude, people loved it they were going crazy tons of people we did a music video there um and the next day i was just like i felt like i had a hangover and i didn't even drink you know yeah i'm too old my head was ringing like <laughs> so to be honest in this isn't going to be a popular thing to say, but the pandemic kind of slowing all that down was actually kind of a relief for me. Like, I'm like, Oh man, I love, love doing music. I love making music. I love recording. I don't know how much longer I have the show game in me. It's a lot of work. Yeah. So no, I, it's still I, alive. It's just a young man's game. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, it is. And I, um, I think there's a part of me that would love, like I, uh, I played in a couple bands, especially in South Texas, like as you guys, like your small town, everybody plays in everybody else's band at some right. point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, <laughs> and so, Cause so-and-so is like fighting with so-and-so. And so they kick that person out and then they're like, well, you're playing before us. You, you don't want to play with us or yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, um, or you only have um, one good drummer in your crew. So he's in every band. Yeah. That, that <laughs> I was not that good of a drummer. So I hey, did you not play drums play. in church and you did really well. Thank you, man. It was weird. Cause I literally never have played that kind of drum style music ever yeah. in my whole life. I mean, I always played punk music or hardcore music and I wasn't really a ton in a hardcore. Like I remember getting like, this dude who was all about it, you know, he like had a, a second um, pearl double pedal and he was like, dude, you can have this and, and then play in our band. And so, <laughs> so I still have that. I still have that double pedal. Um, but like, that was my introduction of like, okay, I got to learn how to like play with the double, which I love it now. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so I never played. And then I didn't play for like 10 years. And, uh, even That'll more actually, probably 12 years. And then my my wife really got into the church world. And so then they're like drummer, peace out. And so then I came in as just like a- Who was their drummer? This guy, they had two drummers actually. And one of them could only do it intermittently. And then the other guy was not, he, he, he lived in the city and then I think moved away or something. Um, but here's something too. I know I keep, I've referenced a lot of Christian stuff. I wouldn't really- call myself a christian and i would i don't really go to church okay hold on sure you live in a that's christian right. community that's correct but you don't call yourself a christian that's correct is really it yeah i do okay. want you to get into it can oh, i ask yeah, a I mean, question quick yeah go can i ask it. a question real quick sure, sure sure no man this podcast is all about life so okay it's called coffee and hardcore but we talk about things in between it too so you can um, edit all this out mate for reals man <laughs> No, this is interesting. Um, okay. Is it because of the kind of the social climate that we're in? No, this happened. This happened a few years ago. Okay. I just play, I play it real chill. Um, okay. No, uh, I mean it doesn't help. I, I think our social climate's not super grateful. But I think uh, on a personal level, um, I think as I started going back to because my dad literally grew up in a hut in the Amazon in this in South, like I went and saw the, the the hut itself that my dad was born into and like youngest of 10 so they were like a little mini and they all like I would say six of them still live in that village so were you and, born uh, in Texas I was born in South Texas yeah my so my yeah. dad to live the American dream he was the youngest so he got to go to college in Uruguay and then he uh sorry I'm, I'm gonna give you a real quick backstory You're too fine. much here uh but yeah he went called year away and then got an opportunity to to live with my aunt who was in texas at that time and she had married a american soldier or yeah that she had met in in south america and so they lived in south texas and then my dad came to live with her and then met my mom at a running track and then and that and the rest is history i now running track uh, yeah like and you just drop like these really cool (laughs) things and then you're like moving on well i mean like (laughs) South Texas, man, where are you going to meet people? It's like the bar, the running yeah. track, or the barbecue joint, which also is the bar. So you're kind of, okay, so, you've circled back so around. So what's a running track then? <laughs> I'm thinking like a track that you run on. 
It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So okay. the, the one, as you might know, the big thing in Texas is high school football. It's massive. Yeah. It's right. like do or die. So my, my town was one of those towns that shut down on Friday night. It was all about the team. And so to do that, they have, they have like the, one of the largest structures in my hometown, not anymore. They've grown, they've, they've grown, but when growing up, the largest, one of the largest structures in my hometown was the football stadium. It was concrete. It was like a dome, like a real, oh. they put a lot of money on that thing. That's crazy, man. But because it was so massive, they had multiple running tracks uh, in the kind of uh, the fields around this big concrete dome in rural Texas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so the running track is like where people would like, so it was open congregate. to public. Yeah, they were open that's to the public. Cool. And that, that's where like people would play soccer or they'd go run. And so cool. my dad played soccer in the middle of the running track. And then my mom would go after work and run around the running track. Oh. Yeah. And so. Piecing that together. That's pretty cool though. Yeah. That's was, better than a bar story. It is. It, and uh, my mom's always been a pretty, she's not a a big bar goer so i think that was also a part of that where my dad is he's all over the place i don't know where he is but on that <laughs> on that scene <laughs> anyways i guess to get to what i was saying about like rural or, oh yeah so going in, into south america and really reconnecting i think with my family and my roots and stuff like that i just started to kind of unpack what the church had done to my family um you guys ever see a movie called The Mission? Mm -hmm. that, that's, the War, that's the Warney Indians. That's that's I'm half Warney. So that's no, I haven't seen that. Yeah, you, go check it out. It's kind of yeah. a sad movie. It is. But it's essentially about the Spaniards destroying uh, indigenous culture, <laughs> or just or yeah, kind of enslaving a little bit. But yeah, man, I'm trying not to bring this podcast down. But anyways, that's no, 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 it's no. good. Okay. It's good. Yeah. This stuff is more important, I feel like. Okay. Than, than some uh, of the other stuff we talk about. I think the real life stuff's important, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh but I mean really and and to keep coffee a part of it, really what really led me to being willing to start reconnecting was the idea of like, oh, I can go visit my family and then I can also be make that a part of my life and my business and it kind of would make sense i'm just personally not that like vacation kind of guy like oh i'm gonna just go vacation so if i have a purpose for things then i'm like yeah i'm definitely gonna do it and so yeah, this is sure. like a very but as i yeah reconnected with my family i kind of really started to kind of unpack the judeo-christian thing and so then um through the help of like uh i was talking with these different kind of like spiritual director people like their their whole thing is about god and i think helping people find god which is funny because for me it went the opposite direction it kind of helped me figure out like i don't know if i would call god in my life jesus or those things and so then again you feel free to cut any of this out but i You're fine, uh, so, i think this is important because i think other people think about this and struggle with this stuff too so right for sure. And so, yeah, so I, I found myself kind of what I, the way I've been, I've kind of started to describe it as pushing on these like trap doors a little bit that I just kind of called walls and, and, and floor that I stood on be my like spiritual beliefs or whatever, or these traditions that I grew up in. And mm -hmm. then I kind of started kind of pushing on them and it's tough because you don't want to push on them because you're then like, oh, this is soft. There's not much under here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the more you push, then you're like, dude, I got to, like, you ever have that little hole in the wall and you're like, better not mess with that thing. Cause it's going to become a big hole. Cause it's not, yeah. there's nothing there. <laughs> and so just put an MC hammer poster over it. Yeah, exactly. Over it <laughs> or a coffee, uh, origins poster. No, uh, yeah. so that, uh, that, that was essentially kind of what ended up happening. I think I started kind of pushing on these beliefs that I grew up in. And then I kind of started realizing like, oh, these are like just traditions that I, I, I call, I called my own. And then I really, and gratefully I had, uh, so I, it took me like a year to even say that out loud um, to this like, like spiritual director dude. And I think I was like ready for him to be like, dude, I'm, I've, I'm blowing it. I'm going the wrong direction here, you know? But he was really, uh, it was cool. He was really like, you should, you know, keep saying these things. Or if it's real, you know, really just, or if they're, these are truths in your life, you need to really start thinking about them. And so then the next part of that was then kind of starting to talk with my wife, which both of us, we, you know, met at a Christian community where, you know, got married at part of this Christian community. So I would say religion and Christianity is a big part of our, our uh, foundation. And so I, you know, I never imagined that would be the turn of our relationship. And I don't think she was uh, expecting one point in her life that all of a sudden her, her life partner would be like, Hey, that thing we like talk about, that's not, that's not a part of me anymore. <laughs> so yeah. really she's been, it's been cool. She's been really amazing at like, she, as, as uh, I feel like, uh, religion or different things, finding labels is a thing. We always joke about it now, but it's called like, they have a term for it. It's called like mixed faith marriages. This is like a term now. <laughs> <laughs> which makes sure sure and so there's uh, terms for everything right <laughs> there is yes they find terms for everything so she kindly uh yeah so we started as a couple trying to kind of figure that out and then the bigger one is the business that i run is a part of uh, uh is connected to a church and connected to a community a christian community and so i sat with my kind of board the team that i kind of answer to uh and kind of let them know like where i'm at and i was fully ready for them to be like dude well this you know uh jesus people is the part of our our name so you can yeah um but thankfully uh my team i think really asked some really great questions about like well what are your core beliefs like what are your real like then what do you believe and um really the the core things never change i believe really in truth and kindness and the ability to, uh, for us to impact each other in positive ways, really to encourage each other, um, build each other up. And again, we're human. And so we have innately just shitty things about us, but like we, there is uh, a truth and a good in that. And so, um, yeah, that was about two years ago when I met with my team and started talking to them about that. And so, then my, I think my journey kind of went in a different direction, but it's been kind of fun to still stay engaged in like, that was even before I started playing drums at the church. So then I started playing drums at a church after that, which is kind of funny because I sat with their pastor and I was like, listen, man, I love, I, I wouldn't mind playing drums, but just say, you know, this is kind of where I'm at. And he was, he was, re- uh, he was very cool about it. And, uh, and that was super, uh, it was nice because as he should be, right? As he should be, yeah. Because yeah, you're yeah. still a person, hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. And and it's just funny what religion does. I think uh, in some places, and really, what a big 
goal for me has been, because I've met a lot of people who kind of come out of a church scenario different. They just a lot of anger or jadedness, rightfully so, uh, or a lot of pain. And not to say that those aren't things that I've experienced in my life, but um, I'm really trying to choose to use that as energy to, to, to create positive and momentum to change and good things. Because inherently there's some truth in all these things that we're doing because they're really great things that come out of it. And so the proof is kind of in the pudding there. And so I want to lean into that more. If there's ways that we can continue to positively impact each other um, yeah. and apparently like we're able to do it cooperatively well, like in a community setting or in like a house of worship setting, those really have ways of uplifting these different communities, then that I'm for that. But if it, it's about oppressing other groups or if it's about tearing each other down or getting into some like weird semantic that you blow out the candle earlier than we do. So we're going to fight you. I don't know. <laughs> then, right. then, then that makes no sense to me. And uh, I can, I get it. I can easily like just kind of part from that. Um, but yeah, that, that has been kind of the space that I am now and just, just recently. So for like me to be able to say it on a podcast publicly, just recently have I publicly been starting to say this. So like some of the, the bigger people or bigger organizations that we work with and stuff, I've been having uh, maybe some like conversations with them where like it'll come up or something and I'll be like, yeah, you know, just so you know, this is kind of where I'm at as one of those people. So uh, yeah. So it should ever matter. Yeah. I I don't think your faith or what you believe in um, spiritually, I think that's a personal thing, to be honest. I think too many people make it public. I agree. Uh, I think too, like, when you put yourself in the business of that, like if you're right. putting yourself out there, is, it's the business of selling if so, that's God right. in any that's sort of God. sense of what God is. Yep. That's right. And that's why religion so, is a terrible thing. <laughs> well, and that's where I try to really communicate that. Like, that's not my business. Like, and I think it's easy for people to be like, Oh, that's, you're a part of this community or you're part of these things. So that's your business. And that's not our business. Our business is like I was saying to impact and he's very positive and be really a part of our community of a whole. And so that I, I try to be very instinctual about saying those things out loud to people because yeah, I, I think that's where it, it, it can get really quickly muddled. Cause it, I mean, people do, I, I mean, a lot of people who treat religion like a business and I, I've even said to some people like, why don't you just like do business, like start a company or something, you know what I mean? You don't have to pedal something. Yeah. I I was do I was working with this guy. I won't say who he is. There was a guy in a band and I was helping produce his record and softly produce, I would say. And okay. he sent it to me. Really good music, super good. Mick knows what I'm talking about. Lyrics yeah. were very uh, I don't know. I want I want to be nice very kind of gimmicky Christian reformed kind of stuff. And he asked, he, he was like, Hey, I want your honest opinion on, on this music as a whole. And I was like, I, I don't know. I think the, the lyrics are just kind of gimmicky. And he's like, yeah, man, I know, but people, people eat this stuff up. They're going to buy it. They're going to, mm. and I was like, oh. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, there's the business aspect of it too. You know, right. like, why Which, you always got to ask yourself and i'm not saying i'm 
I'm not saying I've never done anything gimmicky and I've never said, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect or anything like that, but sure. that's when you got to ask yourself, is this real or is it a product that you're pushing? And, and maybe that's where. And it can be where, both. It can. I, well, in the aspect of business that I enjoy is like, I like being able to be like, dude, I'm pushing a product. Like I'll, I want to be super clear about this specific or vice versa. Like, I really mean this. Like I really want to be a part about impacting these different communities. So it's two things, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and I'd much rather have somebody be super upfront about like, where, which I, you know, I've enjoyed it. I felt like in the hardcore scene, uh, I would meet these guys as lead singers where they would be like, dude, uh, you know, the breakdown's coming. And like, they even like, they know they're about to hit it. Like there wasn't any like, where did this come from? They were just like, now's the drop time. Like now's the time. Like we're going to put this right here. Cause that's when we're just going to like slam it. And I always really enjoyed that, that, a part of crafting this music and really expressing these lyrics that might be real, they would also add in like, listen, we're just going to say move or we're going to say like yeah. tear it down or we're going to say because, change. Yeah, exactly. Cause we know <laughs> this is where this is going to just get them hype. And so, yeah, I, I like most things in life. I know it's a balance, but I just, yeah, it's, it's a, that's the, I, I agree with you too, uh, Wiley, that really needs to be this, it shouldn't matter. That is a personal thing. And it's as much as you want to kind of share and be and real about. Um, and it also encourages me not to do the same. Like I, I really try to work. I'm not doing that to others either. Cause I don't want to, you know, just put a my, which it's hard. I mean, as humans, I think we do that. We put each other in kind of these like preconceived thoughts or boxes or like, Oh yeah. I'll put you yeah. In. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That was the, that was the big thing for my wife and I in the last, it's been eight years now, what we call, we didn't have a term for it and I don't really like terms, but sure. um, we called it kind of like what you were talking about coming up, running into these trap doors that you start pushing on and you realize that they're not as sturdy as you think you they are. Yeah. And so for like the last eight years for us, it's been a whole deconstruction is the term that we would use. 100%. Uh, so, this, so there's a whole lot of stuff that we both, cause we both grew up kind of in the same denomination, so to speak, and some things. Sure. And I actually pastor a church and I'm going through deconstruction. And so by the time we get to the place that we're at now, we've been at this church now for like, um, I think it's been four years, almost five years. And Whoa. the cool thing about this scenario is through all these places, cause there's, you know, there's a lot of church, let's say hurt abuse from past things, even yeah. in, being in leadership in those, some of those things, experiencing yeah. it, seeing it, and then unwittingly maybe even taking part of it without knowing that that's what you yeah. do. And then now you're on the other side of it going, holy crap, like we were hurting people and not yeah. knowing that's not what you were doing it at the time. Yeah. And so Especially now- the 90s. Yeah. And so <laughs> exactly. Youth ministry, youth ministry in the 90s was brutal. I mean, it was, it was led by fear. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now being on the other side of that and- uh you know, being with the people that we're with now, like, we're, it's kind of like everybody's gone through that. Like, we're all deconstructing in some way or the other. And so, awesome. like, when you when you said the thing about not being able to call yourself a Christian and seeing things through a spiritual lens now, that's kind of like, I keep finding that's where a lot of folks are. Yeah, I've heard that you know? a couple of days ago. Someone said that when we were talking, they're like, I don't consider myself a Christian anymore. I'm like, to me, that's weird because I know it's a label, but to me, personally it means follower of christ and i'll always be a follower of christ it doesn't mean i'm going to live up to these 
false rules that you sure. know people put on us but i don't know I, no like if you don't believe anymore that's one thing but yeah. if you're an actual believer and you're like no, i'm not gonna call myself christian because there's all this bullshit that people do that call themselves yeah. christians like yeah, yeah bring that shit back like own it yeah. bring it back don't just run away from it you know <laughs> Well, <laughs> makes laughing at me. <laughs> I have. Well, the, the only reason why is because I see that, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like 100 down with that. But on the other side of it, I see this other thing that has been developed, especially in the states, and what's called that, and then what we have done from the states to other countries. I like because mm-hmm. I have a lot of I have friends in Africa who have yeah. worked oh, yeah. with denominations and things that I've been a part of, and mm-hmm. now still having those relationships and hearing from them and talking with them. And, you know, I, I work on some of their websites and help them out and just the pain and the hurt that we did from here to them. Like we Mm -hmm. taught them, we really taught them about being rich and not really what they needed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so we tried to, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, we tried to conform, conform them to whatever belief we thought it should look like or whatever. We try to essentially take what what we categorize as whatever and try to put that on them. Yeah. Let's just I'm a I'm a I'm gonna bounce one more question at you. What future plans does everybody's coffee have for Chicago and the world? Dude, great question. I mean, I think uh, everybody's coffee, we started very humbly and organically. We started out of a skateboard shop and uh, and a cafe. And we just kind of took the next best step and grew. And so, like I was saying earlier, we added the bakery and our breakfast and lunch, and then now our roasting coffee and sourcing coffee and, and doing our online online coffee sales and subscriptions. Um, I, think, I think that's where we're really trying to rock it, man, because our next, I feel like our next iteration is really just um, sourcing so investing with great producers and farmers uh, at Origin, and then just finding creative ways to like get that coffee uh, out to the masses to get to get to try our coffee and kind of our we have a bunch we do different roast profiles so we've got like our nice kind of medium roast blends and our dark roast which I know both of you guys got kind of the reverse right so Mick you got yes. the dark roast right? yeah he likes dark yep. I like medium yep. yeah so not a lot of I mean, sorry, I don't want to say big statements, but I know sometimes roasters are more like, oh, we're just kind of more of a dark roast crew or, or, or we're more of a light roast crew and we don't. But being everybody's coffee, we want to try to create a different options and kind of coffees that yeah. connect with it's everybody. It's in your name. It's, you got to cater to everybody. Name. Yeah. So I think <laughs> that's our goal for this next uh, foreseeable future is really to kind of grow our online presence of like being able to because we can ship coffee all over the nation and um, and really our subscription thing has been a lot of fun so we have like a coffee subscription model where you can sign up to get a bag of coffee every month or um, every other week or, or even every week uh, and you can get up to like our five pound bags of coffee if you're like really going through it so that's been a lot of fun. We, we rolled that out this year was the subscription. We, we really haven't put a lot of like, Hey, go get subscriptions. We just like rolled it out and it has, has really connected well. And we have a lot of like now kind of loyal customers who just get our coffee every, every month. Um, and we are like shipping it all over the U S. So I think that would be 
a lot of fun to really get a, be able to kind of connect more nationally uh, to just directly to the coffee person who's enjoying that coffee to kind of be able to kind of uh, do that more. Because we, we've always been a cafe, so we really, like with our coffee, are investing directly back into our community, our neighborhood. Um, and so now I think we're exploring what that would look like to, to do that more to everybody. Yeah. yeah. So I heard that your secret ingredient in your coffee is instead of using water, you use crystal clear Pepsi. Is that true? <laughs> no. All right. On that note, we got to say bye to you. No, thanks, man. And I, again, make this a fun way to meet somebody, especially somebody who I've like known their name for a very long time <laughs> and, and read it in a liner, you know, uh, on a vinyl. And so it's a funny, uh, and also too, like, uh, Glenn to like, I know we see each other often, but it doesn't, it doesn't go, you know, because we're both doing other stuff. So it's, it's cool to have, it's like where you get to like talk more to the person, your your neighbor, literally. And so that, yeah. that was, that's been, that's cool. Yeah. Cause we usually, hey, what's up? How you doing? Good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing and his I coffee. Love, I'm, I'm working at Lakefront and doing yeah, yeah. shirts. And, well, and, and uh, shout out. Thanks for, I love that our roasters in your, in your intro or whatever. You showed me that clip. Yeah. Yeah. In the, uh, the promo to push the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That, thanks for letting us do that. Oh, yeah. We, want, we just want 5%, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 5% of nothing is what? <laughs> I can't wait till we get that, that check. Well, thanks again for letting me uh, go probably past. I know the time that you guys allotted. So. <laughs> it's all good, lot. man. All right, brother. Uh, all right. Thank awesome, you, guys. Man. I'm going no to jump off. All right. All right. See you. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so we got this month's album reviews. Uh, I picked these three and I sent them to Wiley. He's been listening to them, so uh, we're going to run through them. Got some good stuff this week. So first this up, month. This month, right. So here's the first one. It's the band Drain from Santa Cruz, California with their, uh, their uh, LP, California Cursed. So what do you think about it? Well... I like this album, California Curse. This is 10 songs that re- was released in April of this year, 2020. Yeah. And it was crazy when this album was released because vocally, the vocalist of Drain kind of sounds like he's inspired by Walter of Rotting Out. Okay. And, 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 okay, and that's why I say this is because Rotting Out and Drain, both California hardcore bands, both released their new album on the exact same day. <laughs> not just not just the same month, the same day. Wow. April 10th, 2020, both of them released their new albums. For some reason, that's weird to me and awesome all in one. And I guess that was a big day for, for good uh, California hardcore. Right. I think they sound like what they remind me of. The drums and the guitar tone reminds me of 80s California thrash metal. Like when that first guitar riff kicked in and it was just the tone, it reminded me of Exodus and Testament. Mm. And uh, what's the other one? Uh, Death Angel. Those, those three, it kind of like totally reminded me of that. The vocalist don't, doesn't sound like that, but it was just the guitar tone and the fast riffs. And then the ride on the ride symbol in a couple songs, like mm-hmm. 
I actually had to go and watch some video of them playing live because I wanted to see the drummer because I knew he was doing that that old school like yeah yeah in the right symbol. But yeah, I totally totally dug this album. My favorite song is probably Army of One. song kicks i uh when i did go and look them up to watch them live um uh the singer uh, looks like a frat boy yeah <laughs> and I, I, well i kind of put that in my notes in my notes i put i didn't put that but they have that california like surfer vibe you know yeah oh yeah like yeah uh drain most definitely had that california hardcore sound fast heavy and technical guitars at times that's what i right. put in my notes yeah i also love that he starts the album out with a good Bleh! yes because i did that in the first two minute minor lockdown ep that came out in march i remember that yeah doing the blahs is a lot of fun i want to do those more <laughs> did it a bunch on this newest album and they all got cut out by the band members they're like mm, too much, too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But I love the energy that Drain brings to the listener. Super driving, hard hitting, fast, almost thrash crossover, hardcore punk drums. That's what I put. Yeah. I'm a sucker for that, those kind of drums. Uh, I love the name Drain. I wonder if it was a play on the hardcore band Bane. Oh, um, probably not, that. but maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the album art's phenomenal. I, I love all the colors they used. It looks very California surf, but it almost has like that stoner rock vibe to it. Do you, do you remember the, um, uh, it may be late 80s, early 90s, but the all the old, uh, the rat kind of cartoons, like the- Yeah, like the rat skate. Yes, that's kind of what it reminded me a little bit. Yeah, Maybe okay. I don't know. Like, like it could be the background of a rat thing kind of yes. cartoon. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's what. I, yeah, totally, totally. But no, I dug it quite a bit. Really got into it. Um, yeah, and I was telling you, I was like, I, when Revelation Records put this out, I I really wanted to buy the hoodie and vinyl <laughs> for the pre order, but like I just could not get myself to buy the hoodie because it was, it's just that California yep. kind of frat boy kind of look and i was like oh no i can't wear this well i guess they just uh put out a fanny pack of course they did. <laughs> and it's pink and that uh that bluish you know yeah what's on the album it's like that pink and then, oh yeah hipster hardcore california surfer yep <laughs> not my thing um yet i really i dig it i am gonna buy it on i, I mean i dig the record i am gonna buy it on vinyl eventually um I thought it was a good record. I think it's got some really hard-hitting, awesome tracks. Um, great vocal performance. Great drumming, like you said. Like, yeah. all on the wrist, kind of. Yep. Um, yeah, I just couldn't I couldn't pull the trigger on that hoodie. <laughs> so I ended up getting the rotting out vinyl and hoodie instead. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's go, let's go to... Uh... But Hyper Vigilance, I think, is my favorite track. Oh, that's your favorite track on that one? Okay. Yeah. Um, I you, can drop, you can drop whatever song you want right now. So we got another California band, another Bay Area band. Uh, it's Discourage. Uh, their album is Forlorn Hope. And they're on Patient Zero Records with uh, Bitter Truth. We reviewed them a couple months ago.
just uh, I just ordered their vinyl today because I've been doing a, their seven inch. It's uh, half yellow, half green. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I just it looks killer. Patient Zero, they got some crazy good bands that didn't even I, know they had. I know, like. I didn't even really, I have heard of Patient Zero, but I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention until the guys in Bitter Truth, mm-hmm. you know, they started recording for the new album with them. And so then I started checking out all the stuff and I'm like, holy crap, there's some good stuff on here. There um, is. But I tell this you- There's only four tracks though. I know. So this is an EP. But, but it makes you want more. It does. Um, the, it bass, does. the bass tone for me is like Godzilla destroying Japan. Oh man. It's heavy and just the the bass lines are just intense. Like I, I can't get enough. And I love it when, you know, and I know this happens a lot in, in hardcore, especially this kind of style, but when everything kind of breaks down a little bit and, you know, the bass player gets to do his thing and they let him do his thing and then his tone is killer. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm sold. I'm a, I'm a sucker for it. Um, it's, I love it. You didn't like it no i loved it oh I, this, was, this was the one out of the three that you sent me that i hadn't heard because i when drain came out listened to that immediately um when you know we're talking life force i bought right. that record right before you sent it to me like a day before and i was like that's crazy i just i just pre-ordered this record um no i loved it i'm so glad you introduced me to it um the honesty part was you and i are are kind of doing a, a straight edge project Right. Together. Right. It's not introduced yet. Maybe it will be in December. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but when I heard this bass tone in my head, I'm like, man, I really hope, really hope Mick hits us with this kind of, like, this kind of driving fat tone. Yeah, that's what I want. Like, um, anytime I try to, when I talk about recording stuff and doing stuff, and I tried that so much with To Live As Sons, but the style of music that was coming out at the time, it was more, you know, I think we were calling it the whole 304 thing. So it kind of had a groove kind of mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, yeah. So you couldn't really get that fast, like those bass runs that I wanted. And so, the, uh, but with this, what we're working on, I totally want to get that, that bass drive. Yeah. Almost. I hope so. Like the feeling of, and that's, that's how I kind of qualify it is. I want it to sound like Godzilla destroying a city. <laughs> That's what I want. I want it just to come in and wipe it out. And I tell you, this album, every single one, every single, you know, four tracks, every single one has that driving bass tone. Uh, it yeah. just makes, it just must once, it, like if I, we were playing this stuff after um, 
after we got doing doing a live stream today um my kids were in the room and i had it playing and they immediately were doing a circle pit like yeah it's good stuff man i I mean i know it's only four tracks but i probably i had it on repeat when i was doing my notes and just listening to it yeah i think i listened to it like five times you know yeah um stuff but yeah i didn't i didn't really know anything about them and they're from uh, Oakland, California, and it, they did a split with Time and Pressure, which is a great band. Oh, um, I didn't know that. That's a, yeah. I got to check that out. And I love how the song Control kicks in with the bass. That's in my notes too. Like, <laughs> this is truly a badass band with a badass bass tone. Yeah, you know, it's a group of musicians playing hardcore how it should be played. And I really wish this was more than four songs. See, some some EPs are are perfect three to five songs, and it makes you want more. But this is a band that could clearly put out a full length and hold my attention. And I can't wait for more music uh, for them to drop. But yeah, I'm a huge fan of this. It's going to be added to my monthly playlist. Thank you so much for introducing him to me. Um, I went went and bought the record, so I blame you. (laughs) (laughs) But I regret nothing. So let's drop uh, let's drop control for them so they can hear that early bass right now. Awesome. So uh, now we're on to uh, the last one. We got Life Force with uh, uh, the title of their LP is Hope and Defiance. And this just came out, right? It did. Yeah. And uh, I thought their pre-orders. September, yeah. Yeah, September. But their pre-orders look cool. Um, The vinyl that they were putting out looked awesome. Um, Yeah, I got the purple or the hot pink with purple splatter vinyl. Oh, nice. So excited. Um, But... I was kind of stoked to find out that because um, I didn't realize this, but uh, Matt Fletcher from Shylude is one mm-hmm. of the main guys in this band. He plays guitar. Um, my connection with Shylude is is that, uh, when um, uh, the singer Chad Chad is it? Can't remember his last name. Uh, he's the one that recorded the first EP for Shylude. Mm-hmm. Was on tour with them. I was there when I met with the guys from New Age Records for the first time. Okay, uh, we were at a library playing a show, and those guys showed up, uh, who just so happens to be some of the guys from Unbroken, mm-hmm. which made me extremely nervous because I love Unbroken. Um, <laughs> Fanboy. Yes, uh, but uh, Matt Fletcher wasn't in the band at that time, um, but Matt um, Fox was. He's still a good friend, but um, yeah, it was just cool to hear. You know, I had followed Shilud for a while. And so to see him start this band was pretty cool. And uh, 
I love it. It's, it's, it's youth crew. It's with, um, Dallas, Texas youth crew. Yeah. Dallas, Texas Great, youth crew with, uh, <laughs> with, uh, uh, to me, a little meteor vocal content, like lyric content. Like sometimes, oh, yeah. sometimes it gets a little dark. I'm like, yeah, we're leaning more on the defiant side on this record. I think. <laughs> well, and this was eight tracks and clocking in at like 17 and a half minutes. I think. Yeah. It's like, in and out, kicks you in the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> signed to new age records which yeah, i know declines on new age and yep a bunch of other good bands are on new age records it's so crazy because um you know we did we did drain that was revelation records which yeah. was you know had a ton, has had a ton of crazy stuff through the years and, and new age too i mean new age has had a bunch of stuff and it seems like now they're great uh, they're just both like putting out some crazy stuff lately it's just good Another thing I learned is that Chris of Youth Energy did the album art for this release. Really? Yeah. No, I I dig the I dig the album artwork. Yeah. And any I love anything with the word hope in it. So hope and defiance, man. That's just that feels like it just kicks you in the face. <laughs> it's just it's good. Yeah, this is a, this was a good record. I'm glad you picked this one because, like I said, I was pretty familiar already with this one and uh, Drain. So it made this uh, this album review a lot easier on me (laughs) (laughs) so what's it oh go ahead i was gonna say what song on this album is do you like milestones is my jam i love that track love the i really love the gang vocals a lot in it because i'm a sucker for high energy gang vocals and driving (laughs) guitars yeah and it's like the drums kind of provide like a fast track for the vocals i dig the drum patterns on this one as well the snare does like that that syncopated roll thing, that yep. fast part to the end where it's like yep. a Tom build out, Tom build yep. up, excuse me, to kind of like a perfect ending. It's just so much energy in the song, but, which is weird because it's not, it's like broken down parts. So it's not like super fast the whole time. Right. But it's still got tons of energy because right. of those gang vocals keep it. And I just, I loved how they wrote this song. Right. Right. 
Yeah, my my two favorite on this album is Out Front and then High Standard. Okay. Those two songs, man, totally dig them. Yeah, I think Life Force has passionate, understandable yelling vocals that I really dig. You can yeah. tell that the vocalist has mat the vocalist has kind of mastered his pronunciation and music, which for vocalists that can that can be especially hard, <laughs> especially in heavier music. Right. I mean, look, I can barely talk. <laughs> But I struggle with it at times during music too, because I, you know, do heavier music, and I really like the Michigan hardcore band Brothers, which we've talked about before on this podcast. Right, right. Because uh, the the vocalist Joel Odie really enunciates clearly, and Life Force and Brothers vocals have similarities, and I really enjoy that very much. And I thought the music is a perfect soundtrack for the vocals to clearly speak their mind and use that platform to. Uh, to, to perfectly put in their perspective of, of how they feel and what they believe. So some, no. some good, good stuff, man. Yeah. Really good. Really good. So three, I picked three killer albums, right? You did. No, I did. really you did. <laughs> awesome. Which, which is crazy because <laughs> the life force and the drain records, I was like, Oh my gosh, those are my jams. I've been listening to them for the last <laughs> few months. So that was perfect. And then you introduced me to, uh, what was that last band or the discourage discourage yeah yeah which i had never heard before and so that blew my mind and i was like i'm buying this right now <laughs> awesome because normally it's me who gets introduced to this all all this stuff and i finally got to introduce something that's mm -hmm. awesome sweet i think a few back you introduced me to one too usually because this is the second time you've picked mm -hmm. and usually i know of at least two of the bands and i think the last time you introduced me to a band as well, didn't you? Was what were the three you picked last time? Burning Strong. Yeah. Uh, Bitter Truth. And what was the second one? Yeah, it was that one. It was the more like heavy. Yeah. I, loved. I can't remember. That's horrible. On. <laughs> Hold on. I can find out. <laughs> Let's see if I got this. Mind Force. Mind Force. Yeah, that was the I band that... I had never heard them before, and it blew me away. I can't believe I forgot that because, dude, that swinging was... swords and chopping lords—that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, man. Uh, I actually, I, man, they just released that new single too, and it's killer. Oh yeah, you sent it to me. It was so yeah. good. Oh, I had that on repeat as well. Yeah, great song. I can't wait till they release some more stuff. That's just too much. They're a good band. Like, yeah, awesome. Cool. There we that's go. It. Stephen DeFelco 
eighth year season six of the frisky morris podcast he runs audio tree live uh works at a forest preserve drummer at pink hotel possible new two-minute minor drummer giving it a go we'll talk about that yeah uh married he's a dog dad and previously turbo vamps uh vocalist correct yeah is that all correct yeah that's that's all correct for now (laughs) As of you as know. of recording this, yeah. yeah. I don't think I've heard a list of accomplishments or things going on by another person other than Wiley. Like, geez. I think see, I think that's we're like akin spirits where I like to say that I have creative ADD, where I don't like I like to stay busy and I feed off of that kind of adrenaline that stress gives me. Like I'm always the procrastinator to do things at the last minute because I need that boost. But I feel like Wiley and I will be like, oh yeah, uh, we had a talk with our partner and it's like, can't like do any more things. But wouldn't it be cool if we did this? Oh, and then we do this and this and this. And we like enable each other into these like grandioso, like creative ideas that we're just like, oh yeah, we need to rein it in. We're going to get in trouble. Like there's not enough hours in the day. (laughs) Well, Mick knows all about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get Mick into so much creative trouble. <laughs> Just ask his wife. Oh, yeah. But it always well, turns out good, so. Yeah. That's right. You put us two together. It's going to turn out crazy, at least. Um, so what I kind of wanted to start this with is, so you were actually one of the main reasons I decided to start this podcast. And you know that's true because I called you. Yeah, before starting this podcast, and I asked for your professional and creative insight. And I think we actually had a few talks about it. Yeah, there was a few conversations like or like after the first one dropped and like throughout it kind of just like, what did you think of this? I'm thinking about doing this. But yeah, I think like from the get go, you kind of knew what you wanted to get out of it. So you just you just needed a third party to kind of give you that extra push to be like, you already know what you want to do. Like, just do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, it's weird though, because podcasting seems so like out of the realm for me. Like it just seemed like it was no, I would, I don't know. It was just something I don't think I would ever think about doing or doing. And then I remember, I think October to death was on Frisky Moore's podcast first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so October Death was on, and then Two Minute Minor came on later. And I just remember how it was just, you made it so, seem so seamless and practical and like down to earth, like anyone could do it. And your and yours was set up completely different than any podcast that I had kind of heard uh, before because you had musical guests on and you had them do four songs in the studio with Chris to quit. Yeah, Millennium. so that was... Yeah, so we actually bounced around so many times throughout the eight years of the podcast because initially, like, because it all started with kind of songwriting for Turbo Vamps and we were all in college, you know, doing our own thing and we weren't getting together as much. So as a songwriter, I had this batch of songs and it was like, if I don't do anything with these songs, they're going to go in the garbage because I'm overanalyzing everything. Like I've been able to sit on these for long enough so I got all my buddies like in the Chicago scene to record the like solo album and then from that came this idea of like a lot of my friends saying I wish I could 
record here myself, but I don't have the money for that. So it was this idea that the podcast would also give up and coming bands the ability to record in an actual studio. And we always offered, you know, if you pay for the like final mixing and mastering, which I think at the time was like 20 bucks a song. So like for under a hundred bucks, the bands that were on were getting like a professionally studio live four song EP. Um, So kind of like offering that to bands was like the big thing, but we were at multi-track, which was across from Fogo de Chao in River North. And that was where a lot of like Columbia kids did engineering classes, but there was this huge red room that I think it was so many random bands had played in the big room that half of the half of it in the beginning was like touring the studio and being like, oh my gosh, Smashing Pumpkins were here and uh, yeah. like tons of other bands and performers. Uh, but then that whole building got bought out. You so we went in yen, right? That was that was the third fourth million yen was the fourth studio. So it was multi track. Then we got kicked yeah. out of there, and our main engineer uh, made a studio in his garage. So we called that Coach House Recording Studio. Are you talking Did about Chris? Uh, that was our buddy Mickey, who actually owned oh. the studio that we were out of. Uh, Mickey Craft, and he works for Sweetwater now in Fort Wayne. And then, uh, so we, that was number two. He couldn't do it anymore, and we actually got Chris got offered a job with Atlas Studios, uh, which is a big deal for Chicago bands. Uh, so we were in Atlas, and then yeah, so Atlas got quick. rented out, and then we were a million yen. So four four Atlas, studios. Is the Atlas one the one where uh, Alkaline Trio recorded? Yeah, that was like Lawrence okay. Arms, Alkaline Trio, Downtown Struts. Um, yeah, so that was Messing, that Messengers was- did some stuff there. So yeah, that was a pretty big deal for us to be doing it out of atlas and i mean it was a great crew that were kind of engineering out of there as well so scheduling that place was amazing and so was million yen when we were there too um million yen also has some like dynamite records coming out of that studio uh so it was a, it was an honor to be part of that million yen had of course, I, I don't remember now. I'll I'll That's find fine. some and I'll. <laughs> That's fine. I'll message them um, to you after. Yeah, because I remember Octoberg, or we did your show at uh, Atlas, and I went and looked at the records on the wall. I was like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alkaline Trio. That's amazing. Yeah, and the Lawrence Arms record too. Yeah, that was crazy. And then I think Two Minute Minor did it at Million Yen. Yeah, did- that that tracks. So that, that was actually kind of cool because it was cool to see you in those two different um, settings, you know? And I think I liked the Million Yen one because that was the one where you walked up the stairs a little bit and you went into that room, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it was kind of like in reverse where like Atlas, you walked through the common area to get to the studio. And mm-hmm. then Million Yen, you like walked through the studio to get to the common area. Um, yeah, I liked, I liked how that one was set up for sure. Yeah, Atlas was like traditional one big room and Million Yen has a nice like separate vocal room, a couple like guitar bass rooms and then kind of their big room. So in terms of tracking and like recording a full album, it, it's really nice how they kind of separate some of those rooms for the for the recordings. But 
we just did everything live and <laughs> yeah the uh some sometimes bands sometimes bands were ready to go and uh of clear mind <laughs> and some i think the nerves maybe got to them or uh for whatever reason they just uh needed a couple more takes but uh we got it all done it, it ended up being good <laughs> it happens to the best of us though yeah so then i mean yeah now nowadays we don't do studios anymore partly because of covid but partly because of the financials too i mean i yeah, was because that was costing you you were paying for all that right yeah i was paying for engineering just for like, a studio for yeah. all that fun stuff and just like hoping the bands would you're like okay I'll, I'll pay for the mixing and mastering yeah because at least like like that covered chris so that i was only out the studio time and i was doing like fundraising shows and you know shirt sales and doing some of the that's kind of how some of the label stuff started too was like anything i made off that was just going back to like help fund the podcast so it was this kind of like cyclical financial thing and um, at the end of the day, I was doing it cause I, and I still am doing it cause I'm passionate about the bands and like getting these bands heard and everything. So nowadays it's a lot easier to just kind of do something. <clears throat> they have their best foot forward. We put pre-recorded tracks on it. So it's not kind of like if the vocalist is having a bad day, it's not like a bad reflection on them where they're going to have a shitty recording that day. Um, but this way we kind of make sure that you know, everything's on the up and up and they're getting the highest quality music that represents them out there. Yeah. Hey, can I be honest with you? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah Mick's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Actless Willis. Um, no, when I listened to, let's see, what would it have been? It would have been season six. What was that, your first episode? First episode the, was uh, the Sweetie. duo? Yeah, yeah when i listened to that see here's the thing when i knew the band because you, you were chicago based only when we're just talking about frisky morris yeah right you mm -hmm. only do chicago bands so i knew some of those bands and so when i heard the live recordings i was like oh this is cool it's cool because i've seen some of those bands live before but i've heard their records you know so it was cool to hear it live but what was this newest band you had at Sweeney? Sweetie. Like Sweetie. candy sweets. Gotcha. Sweetie. So <laughs> nice. I thought it was really cool to hear their recorded tracks because it really got me into it. Like sometimes if you don't know the recorded version and you hear the live version, it can lose you sometimes. If that makes sense. Does yeah, make totally. Sense to you at all? Yeah. And they could, <clears throat> tons of bands, I mean, they'll play a song live differently than they recorded it. Right. And you know, like I said, sometimes people are having good days, sometimes people are having bad days. And if they're not used to that environment and used to kind of the stress of like, oh, no, this is going to be public forever. It's not like a live show where if I have a bad note, it's fine. We'll just laugh it off and play the next song. <laughs> yeah. So um, you had a lot of bands that were like super paranoid about that kind of stuff and wanting to do multiple takes. And Chris and I like consulting them being like this is live this is the format of the podcast people are listening to this understanding that it's live it doesn't need to be perfect the imperfectness is what makes this a unique 
one of a kind recording of the song you're doing. So right. well, <laughs> there, there's a there's a pro and con to kind of the like right. the live versus pre-recorded tracks for sure. Right. Cause I thought that too. I thought that it was really neat that you're doing something different. At least to me it was different. But when I heard your sweetie uh interview and then with the music, I was like, I don't know. I I think I kind of like this format. Yeah. Personally. And it saves a lot of time, saves a lot of money, and still gets the like ethos of the podcast mm-hmm. across. So that's kind of what we're going to be doing moving forward. And we're doing a whole restructure for season six, um, introducing some new stuff, launching a Patreon, uh, going to be some fun little tier gifts and nifty gifties and things like that. So excited to see uh, launching a new version, uh, a new, uh, like a whole new podcast in 2021 so that's going to be exciting too so oh you're doing a whole new one yeah so traditionally frisky more sessions was just like buds in chicago and then a lot of people from outside chicago were like oh we're i was talking to a lot of record labels and they were like hey we're sending a band your way can you interview them i was like well i really only do chicago bands but i guess if they're here i can figure out logistically how to meet up with them so then that's how the out of towners happened. That was to like yeah. strictly bands from out of town uh, in the scope of Chicagoland. And then first rounds on me where that was like non bands taking me to their favorite bar first rounds on me. And we just um, talk and then album review roundtable was always something I did. So it was just like formalizing it. So those were like the four formats. Album review roundtable is going to turn monthly and I like only be available one. to Patreon members uh, cause that's a little bit more labor intensive. And then Frisky Moore sessions is just going to be all bands. So that'll be Chicagoland outside of Chicagoland outside of North America, any band, uh, will be Frisky Moore sessions. And then the new podcast is going to be called deep cuts. And it's a play on, if you're an office fan, there's an episode where, uh, they do new year's resolutions and Andy is in the roller rink uh, while Dwight's oh, across Matthews. the streets. Yeah, and he's like, oh, play D. Matthews, deep cuts only. Dave Matthews band, no hits, deep tracks only. And I kind of always love that line. And yeah. uh, and then the, and then they play the dun, dun, dun. And he's like, I said deep cuts. Yeah, he's like, ah, oh, I guess, I guess this is fine. Um, and so the, the whole idea of deep cuts is, you know, no matter who you are, music impacts your life and uh everyone kind of has a soundtrack to their life so what we're going to do is we're going to have people on the podcast from all walks of life scientists muralists musicians authors garbage men and women anyone that has an interesting story to tell and we're gonna you know like first love first kiss uh first lost job um pivotal moments in their life with a career change or a move or a divorce or something and kind of curate this playlist based off these momentous for better or for worse moments in their life. And then after the episode, we'll craft a playlist on Spotify. That'll be their life as a playlist. So that will be in tandem with their episode. So deep cuts will launch in January of 2021 um and we're holding off on announcing like who the first couple of guests are but i'm excited to launch that new one too is tom waits your first guest 
Oh, I wish. (laughs) My roommate at Northern Illinois University was a huge Tom Waits fan. And that was the first time I got introduced to him. And it was the trippiest thing because I'd be taking a nap in the middle of the day and I'd wake up and it'd just be bum, chum, bum, chum, bum, like, what is going What's on? Like, am I still am I still dreaming? What is happening? And it was my roommate like blasting Tom Waits. So that was my <laughs> that was my like introduction to him. But we yeah. deserve to know what he's building in there. <laughs> <laughs> so you said garbage men and women, right? Yeah, I mean, literally anyone. So I have a buddy, I guess this will kind of be like a teaser. I have a couple buddies that are really, um, really amazing muralists. So I really want to get them involved. I have a couple of buddies that run skate shops that we're going to have on. Uh, Of course, we'll have some like musician adjacent folks. Um, So it's kind of like, artsy creative um type people for now people that run record labels people that run record stores um and then from there we're just kind of going to branch out so if there's you know someone that comes across our desk that is a really interesting person like we're the main thing is we don't want to this format is for the kind of like larger audience so if people aren't like a huge punk hardcore ska thrash person this podcast is going to be that kind of all audiences welcome because it's more going to be based on storytelling and kind of the songs that had an impact on that person so it won't be really like genre specific which i like about it you're like basically building a brand is a horrible word to use right there but you're basically building a whole network of podcasts you know all there together i love it it's awesome yeah so that was like at first it was like I, i i didn't really know like podcast networks and all that stuff. And like, my wife is actually the person that got me into podcasts. I had no idea what a podcast was until I started dating her. And one of our dates, we went to a live taping of Comedy Bang Bang. um, And we've seen some other kind of live podcast performances like that. Uh, Dax Shepard, Armchair Expert, we saw that at Chicago Theater here in Chicago. And uh, we've, we've been audience members of some other live tapings of podcasts and she really just introduced me to the format from more of a comedy angle and then from that I kind of experienced like turned out a punk with Damien Abraham and some of these more like punk hardcore focused ones that I really enjoyed and then that's kind of like how all that stuff was birthed but yeah podcast I guess it was like I was doing enough things that were different that I was like, okay, I think now it's more like with deep cuts being so different in terms of like the theme of it, it really was like, okay, this can't be like a sub format of Frisky Morris sessions. Like it's really its own standalone thing. So that's kind of why it's now like Frisky Morris and Friends Podcast Network. And I really, the branding and the naming, I really need to work on that because there's so many things that I have under that umbrella. It's... <laughs> It's so confusing. Wiley and I have talked about it. It's like, wait, <laughs> when I searched you on Spotify, it was music, but it's a podcast, right? And I was like, yeah, I know. It's kind of, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> My biggest question is, is what, what got you? I know you talked about how uh, your wife kind of got you into listening to podcasts and stuff, but what was it that sparked it? What was the thing that was like, I, you know what? I want to try this. I want to do it. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, so I was. 
I did speech and debate, aka forensics, in college um, at College of DuPage, which is a community college on in the western suburbs of Chicago. And then I got a scholarship to do speech and debate uh, at Northern Illinois University. So, and I was a communications major. I started my career in public relations. So I always kind of was told by people that I was kind of charismatic. I was the guy that gave tours to you for some extra quiche. So I was one that's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming out to Northern Illinois University. <laughs> I'm a professional backwards walker. If you come with me, we'll see uh, the student union and we'll see the cafeteria. Um, so I did that both at the community college level and uh, when I transferred to Northern. So I think all of that kind of charismatic, I was always kind of the person in the group to present because everyone was just like, you you just go, go do it. Um, so I think that kind of charisma and speech and debate background um, combined with kind of when I was recording the solo album and it was just every every song was like a mini super group. So I'd have like the bass player from this band and the guitarist from this band and the drummer from this band. And it being in turbo vamps, I played all over, but some of these bands were such in like a niche uh, community in the Chicagoland area that like my buddies in Pilsen that would never have met my buddies in uh, like DeKalb or Harvey or like somewhere more like Rockford, like North central Illinois outside of like the Chicagoland area. And they're, Oh my gosh, we should play shows together. This is so awesome. So it was that kind of almost like DIY way of connecting bands to other bands. And then this like, hey, I've been told I'm good at this. I've listened to a couple of these podcasts before, and I think I could do something like this. And it kind of just spiraled from there. <laughs> That's awesome. So there is one thing that I don't know if Mick knows, but you came to try out to be the first singer of What's Your Damage? Yeah. <laughs> it blows it blows my mind that there's some songs, I think when I was first singing, and I don't, I don't think, maybe in the last episode, but so far I haven't heard you talk about this, Wiley, but Wiley's, all his bands, and correct me if I'm wrong, but last we talked, you're like, I always want to just start an oi band, but every time I try and start an oi band, it turns into a different band. So this was like the attempt <laughs> to like try and actually start an oi band. And we all know how that went because we've listened to What's Your Damage Now and uh, <laughs> it is on the top five uh, chart for oi bands. Uh, but I think it was yeah. interesting that we tried to go that angle. So a couple of the songs, I think I actually wrote lyrics and like did stuff for two Two. of the what's your damage songs and yeah. my vocals and how we did it compared to the finished product like I still think of my lyrics when I hear yeah. the riff and then I and it's not like one is better than the other it is just so radically different that I'm just like this is so cool but it's also blowing my mind <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I kind of wanted to, I kind of at that time, though, it was only you, me, and Sean, right? Yeah. Like we didn't even bass, have a guitar player. Yeah, bass, drums, and vocals. Um, that was kind of on purpose, though, because we really wanted this band to be 
bass and drum driven. And so I was like, I want to write most of these songs without, like, I want to find a guitarist, but I want to write most of these songs without a guitar so it can actually be that bass and drum driven stuff. Yeah. And then remember, <laughs> Sean's like, Oi. I mean, I know what Oi is, but how do you play Oi? I don't know how to play. I only really know how to play what I know how to play. So we just like started playing this like dance bass shit. And I was like, this is so rad. Let's just roll with this. <laughs> yeah. Like, and at first I thought the dancey bass line, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a hundred percent. Like I could see that dancey bass riff be an intro to like a rude pride song. Oh and yeah, then, yeah. Rude pride's good. And then it was like, cause it's like, they're just on the cusp of like, oi. Yeah. But then I, I'm also like, my friends, I was like, when I introduced them to that band, they're like, why are you sh showing me an oi band? I was like, don't worry. If Strike Anywhere was an oi band, it would be refried. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. That's a little bit more like inviting. Uh, but yeah, that dancey bass line, I was like, that's totally on the cusp of but didn't could, I, could I originally anywhere. sent you rude pride and said like i want to do like newer kind of oi yeah that was like you initially sent me like rude pride and lion's law and i don't know i think those were maybe the two main ones i think i was i was already a fan of like booze and glory and stuff like that mm -hmm. so i kind of knew that direction but yeah it was it was awesome and then life, <laughs> life hits me in weird ways. So I think like I we're in season six of the podcast, but it's year eight that I've done the podcast because the past three years, like episode three, you you guys were talking a lot about life stuff. And I had the trifecta of life stuff in like 2018 mm -hmm. was I bought a house in like, july and we closed and i moved in labor day weekend and then i got married the end of october of that same year and then december of that year right before christmas i started a new job with the forest preserves being a director of a nature center so all of that hit and then 2019 was like oh you're running this whole team of 10 and this center with animals and all of this other stuff and you're also married so you have these obligations and you also have a home now so you have these obligations and just like flatlined was just like I have hit my tipping point so it was kind of just podcast was the last thing on my mind so that was like the the gap and then it, it didn't help either that you know we're talking about the financials of the studio time and that was around the time that I started freelancing for audio tree as well and audio tree paid me so i was like oh i get paid to interview <laughs> bands like like i one of one of my first episodes was ajj andrew jackson jihad and i was driving home i played with them before and i was just like i am spending x amount of dollars on a podcast and i'm kind of like self-deprecating at this point in my drive where i'm just like i'm doing all this work and spending all this money and like a hundred people are listening to it. And the only people that reach out to me are bands that want to like use me to get on it. But here I'm like interviewing like huge bands and <laughs> getting paid yeah. for it. So I was like, forget this. I'm just not going to do it and see if anyone misses it. And like some people reached out. Um, but then it was like, now that COVID's hit and I 
because I like hosted their audio tree live session and I'm not able to go in anymore. So I had the time that I was doing audio tree back and now I'm like, okay, I'll start it back up again. I have some ideas for like deep cuts and how I'm going to reformat it to kind of be a little bit more streamlined, but yeah, super crazy tangent to get back to what's your damage. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know how that happened, but yeah. No, it's cool. But bringing it back to the whole OI thing, October Death originally started as an OI band, was supposed to go that direction. That's right. Um, but the band kind of split up, split off, and three of the members went to Anti-World System, and then us other members formed October Death, and then we picked up Brian Gray, the Blamed, to play guitar. And he got super busy, so then we got Sid of Head Noise to play guitar. And that was a trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before I get too ahead of myself too, I want Mick to drop in the What's Your Damage song clip. I'm gonna send him the video. I think I might have already sent it to him. I want him to drop a clip in of you singing it, and then I wanna right afterwards, I wanna drop a clip of how it ended up. Oh man. <laughs> I think too, just so in case people don't hear the lyrics, which probably won't be very audible when i when wiley asked me to sing in this i said i will 100 percent do this but just know lyrically i'm going to really go for like a rage against the machine vibe so it is very like rage against the machine like kind of political kind of not kind of more like unity yeah lyrically though not lyrically not that, just lyrically so, I mean, because then it, it then also helps in the side-by-side -side of, like, what the new lyrics are, which is why I kind of chuckle as well, where, like, the lyrics that I put to it are very different than the lyrics Quinn put to it. Which is on, it's, a, it's a cool like songwriting thing too, is like, you know, the same song can have totally different themes to it. Yeah, I had a def, I had definitely had a different melody. I had different themes to my lyrics. Um, 
but it's like it's still both of them are good songs they're just very different so what is, be what, what is a professional studio recording? The other one is yeah. a Glenn Wiley original <laughs> on his phone in, in in the in the t-shirt dungeon. In a um, brick, in a yeah. brick like yeah. <laughs> concrete. Yeah. So there Where may the be just like there may be a everywhere. little bit of a leveling thing, but I believe in you, Mick. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> uh, it is a little bit better than doing the jam box on the other side of the door when you have band practice, I guess. <laughs> or am I or am I dating myself? That's like that would that'd be like nineties. No, no, no you're talking the, about like just you talking about like hitting like record on a, a cassette tape. Yeah, on an old boom box and setting yeah. it on the other side of the door. I did yeah. that before when I was in my first punk band. I dated myself at work today. There was a girl in our office. There's a desk right next to our printer. And I was like, oh, you're gonna be my Kinko's employee for the day. And she's like, what's a Kinko's? <laughs> uh, I'm going home now. FedEx bottom or something. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. It was that. And we were talking about like caffeinated beverages and what was the first beverage you drank specifically for the caffeine content. And I, I guess this is another Midwestern thing, but I said, Oh, I remember going to the white hen pantry and getting jolt cola jolt and she said i have no idea what either of those things are <laughs> and i said you don't know white hem pantry and she said absolutely not was, you don't know joe cola no i you mean you out. have to know you missed out you on so to... many cavities yeah i was like well what what about surge you have to know about surge and she's like what are you talking about did you, did you bring up crystal clear pepsi oh god no I don't, I don't, I don't mess with that. These were, these were beverages that you drink specifically for caffeine content. Yeah, that so shit was it's like the high octane surge was like the one that now it's, I can only find it in Michigan now. It's weird. Oh. Yeah. There it was like Fago probably makes it now. <laughs> <laughs> but I only a- find it in like new Buffalo, like union pier, like ritzy grocery stores, which is very surge. Yeah. That's random. Yeah, super duper random. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us how you got this gig with the Pink Hotel. Tell us what Pink Hotel is, and you're playing drums. Was it a two-piece before you joined it? Yeah, so uh, going back to Northern, uh, I I was in Turbo Vamps at the time, and because I was out there, and our drummer and guitarist went to Columbia. So they were in Chicago. So right down I-88, it's a pretty easy drive to get out to DeKalb. So we really got, the couple of years that I was in DeKalb at Northern Illinois, we did a lot in that local community and local scene. And that's actually where I really discovered hardcore and really got into hardcore more than just the, the top, more than like, Gorilla Biscuit and Agnostic Front, like actually deep diving into hardcore bands. And it was one of the local hardcore bands was called Stations Creation. I, so, so I knew, so Stations Creation was the local, like one of the main local hardcore bands in DeKalb at that time. And the, one of the guitarists is Tim, who's the guitarist in Pink Hotel How many Hotel guitar now. players do they have? One. In Stations Creation, they had two, but in Pink Hotel right now, it's just a three-piece. Um, 
so I, and I actually grew up with him. We went to elementary school together all through high school. So I was really good friends with him. And he was the one that was like, Hey, you need to come out to this like DIY space and like come start going to these shows. And that's when I fell in love with everything. And the lead singer in that band is Connor, who is the lead singer and bassist in Pink Hotel. So I was very surprised when Connor, who is the lead of this hardcore band that I knew from DeKalb, is sending me these demos that are very uh, like Hives, Weezer, modern baseball type, power pop, indie punk type stuff almost like strokesy a little bit. Um, And he said, hey, uh, I'm looking for a drummer. Would you be interested? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, definitely. Out at a gathering. Hold up, yeah. yeah. The whole drummer thing. How, how did you become a drummer? <laughs> yeah, so I guess drumming, uh, my dad is one of six. I'm one of 25 cousins, big Italian family. And one of my uncles, one of my cousins, um, there's a few people that just like, uh, I had a few uncles and aunts. They were all very musical. And drumming was, there was always just a drum set lying around. So, um, I did band all through school and just the, the rhythm part of it and getting the syncopation down was just something that I had innate. So Mm -hmm. drummers are always the thing that you can never find a kid in middle school and high school that wants to carry all that stuff around. (laughs) So drummers were a dime a dozen. So I was in, in high school, I jammed with some buddies and they're one of the siblings had a drum kit and I was terrible at guitar. I was so, so at bass, um, but no one wanted to play drums. So I was like, I guess I'll try it. And I was drumming for that for a little bit. And then ever since then, I've always just had a drum kit and have filled around with it just because with turbo vamps and everything else, I do the primary songwriting So I always like to fiddle around with it. So when the opportunity came about to drum more formally and I knew turbo vamps were done and Mm -hmm. I had time to kind of do another project, it was also very nice that I knew Connor in a past life. And since this was, he, he did it, the two piece and they recorded a three song EP, the drummer and the two bass. I don't know. I'd have to look at the liner notes. I I don't know him personally, Um, but Connor wanted to play out and he was like, I really just want to do recordings and not really play shows or anything. So they kind of split after that three song EP. So then this was him like reviving the band based off that three song EP for what the sound would be like. Mm -hmm. 
so that was just like it's strokes hives weezer type simple rock indie drum beats i can manage this let's rock and roll and it will give me like another project to musically be a part of without having to be the band dad that was the most yeah. important thing <laughs> i have been the band dad for over 13 years with turbo vamps and i am my own band dad for frisky morris stuff in any capacity so this was an opportunity for me to literally just send me the songs i'll figure out how i want to drum to them and we'll make sweet sweet music so and i didn't have to worry about anything else so that was like a huge appeal especially with everything else going on in my life it was like i could just sit back go to practice i don't have to think of the managerial logistics of it i can just go and have fun <laughs> is that nice oh so so nice <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> i know right <laughs> another reason why like wiley and i like we commiserate about band dad band dad mm -hmm. problems <laughs> we're very similar yeah we're both vocalists who are band dads who dabble on the drums yeah where i was um oh i gotta do a shout out to this podcast that i recently started getting into uh, it's called no dogs in space and it's kind of a kind of a biographical history so the first season they started with the stooges and they just go into the history of the stooges so they like pick different bands uh throughout kind of like rock history and they were saying you know iggy pop lead singer and a drummer joey ramone lead singer and a drummer Wiley Willis, lead singer and a drummer. Stephen E. Falco, <laughs> lead singer and a drummer. We're all just in this like group together of lead singer and drummers, all of the same caliber and ability. And it's just, you know, so crazy that that happens. <laughs> well, I feel like it, it helps uh, with syncopation and singing when you, because like Zach, when he was playing drums in Two Minute Minor, my eyes would always be on him. I would always be looking for cues, always just watching him for changes because as someone who plays the drums myself, I know when I see certain things, what's going to happen next. So I'm just like deadlocked. So, you know, no, uh, no fear there when you come in and try out, eh? Yeah. Lock, <laughs> lock eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i feel that you know the simplistic style of the drumming and not having to do a ton of the administrative logistics of the band was a really big appeal to me and i've always liked that style of music i'm a huge hives fan and i'm a huge strokes fan uh get that vibe from you yeah and i kind of just like you know i i am similar to mick as i learned in the episode three i played alto saxophone and then moved on to Barry sax. <laughs> nice. And I played nice. Barry sax and trombone in jazz band all through high school. And I played bass trombone in full pit orchestra in uh, high school and stuff. So. Yeah, I really, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, Pink Hotel, uh, we're recording new tunes right now. Uh, we have four that we're recording uh, this winter that we're kind of doing DIY style that we're going to be releasing in early 2021. So we're excited for that. 
we got all of two practices in before COVID. So we have been itching to uh, do some stuff once yeah. all of this stuff starts to get lifted. <laughs> That's what happened with the new What's Your Damage that we we're working on. Like myself, Bob, and Sean got together like right before COVID hit, or I think it just hit, and we kind of knew it was coming to a lockdown. And I think we had like three songs written for this new EP. And Bob's like, hey, I'm going to give you a hug now because I don't think I'm going to see you again. Because he moved to Seattle, mm. you know? Yeah. But that was like months later. But luckily, Bob gave him a hug because he hadn't seen him again. He's gone. Yeah, that's crazy. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's so weird to think about stuff like that. Yeah. It is weird, man. Turbo Vamps was a staple punk band in Chicago. You can argue that all you want, but it's true. I saw you guys open up for Slapshot at Reggie's. Reggie's, right? Yeah, that was Reggie's. Yeah. Yep. Open for so Misfits at the Vic. We've we've done a yeah, lot. Yeah. A lot. And then you came out with that, with the vinyl. I saw you got, what was that show I saw you guys at? I think you were playing with Brick Assassin. Um, uh, oh, no, yeah, yeah. We played Quenchers and that was Esky yeah. and Brick Assassin. And um, oh my gosh, what is Brian's band? Coronary and us. Yep. Um, yep. We're like just... Ne- street punk enough to play with the hardcore bands and just street punk enough to play with the punk bands. So it, it was the perfect kind of towing that line of uh, yeah. like casualties unseen, lower class brats, cliff 45 type music that really towed it well so we could play with a bunch of different bands. <laughs> your new vinyl just came out then right around that time yeah that would have yeah yeah death by misadventure that was the the seven inch that we put out um and we all seen the artwork mick i think so i was actually while you guys were talking too i went back to and was looking at stuff i always look at stuff online while we're talking so i can take notes so i was checking it out just drew me to your band i I was like oh it's so good it's those monsters and it's got like that cool like kind of 90s 80s like neon vibe to it yeah so that was that's matthew ryan sharp with midwestern work ethic and he is a amazing artist he does he does all the artwork for the frisky morris podcast uh so all the different podcast images are him uh and then welcome to chicago land stuff too right 
So that's actually Kyle Bach. So that's oh. uh, that's another graphic designer in Chicago. Um, but Matt also does all of, uh, he partners with uh, Simeon uh, and does all the Stupid Rad stuff. So mm-hmm. Stupid, Rad, Stupid Rad Merch Company uh, up in Lake Villa in the northern suburbs of Chicago mm-hmm. does artwork for them. And then he does artwork for, he did three, uh, 350 Brewing Company, uh, which is a Chicago land brewery, Arrowhead, another one. He's done coffee brands and seasoning brands. He's just like got a very cool aesthetic. But that was, I'm a huge, like hardcore thrash guy. Um, one of my favorite shows I went to at a venue that does not exist anymore was uh, Agnostic Front and Municipal Waste. Mm. So you had all of these like skater thrash kids with well, all they- of these super buff like skinhead hardcore guys and it just did not end well for anyone we there was a huge there was like a pit going someone got hit the wrong person got knocked out like the whole show stopped this like skinhead guy got carried off everyone kind of turned to this like sad skater thrasher kid in his cutoff jean vest not knowing what just happened minute the nest agnostic front song jumped off huge brawl like someone got like typical like stereotypical brawl scene in any movie cute pool cue sticks are being smashed you had like 15 guys handcuffed sitting in the parking lot and they were sitting handcuffed in the drive in the alley the parking lot like driveways so no one could get out of the parking lot until all of these people that got arrested were processed and put in the paddy wagon. So we're just like sitting with municipal waste, like being their roadies for the show, getting free merch for helping them like load their van while all these, (laughs) so because we couldn't leave the show. But uh, I told, I told Matt, I was like, we started as a horror punk band. I had a devil lock and skeleton makeup when we first started uh, heavily influenced by monkey from the addicts in the, our avant-garde frontman persona. So, and then I was like, I want kind of that horror to come back into play. But then I also want the Municipal Waste album cover, The Art of Partying, where they're all zombies, like at a pool party. I was like, (laughs) I want that. That's a fun cover. (laughs) I want, if, if the Monster Mash... And Municipal Waste, Art of Partying, had a baby. That's what I want the album cover to be. And that's Death by Misadventure. And each one of the monsters is one of us. So I'm the werewolf. Our drummer, Tommy, is the mummy. Our bassist, Sean, is Frankenstein. And uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon is Andrew, our guitar player. (laughs) I can't run my life and you should be too. Let go
That's awesome. You're the werewolf. Hold on, let me look at this. Yeah, I'm the werewolf in my cutoff jean jacket, holding up the Mad Dog 2020 with pride. <laughs> Back in my drinking days. That artwork is amazing. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Who's the dude in the front, the very front? So the the vampire guy was kind of just like the general like Turbo Vamps mascot. Because the first idea I had before we did the monsters the individual monsters for the band members was I was like, I want Dracula shotgunning a beer. Like he's sucking the blood out of the beer can kind of thing. And he was like, that's going to be really hard to conceptualize and draw and get that message across. So then we were brainstorming other ideas and that's how the monsters came about. So then the idea of having this like vampiric, cause it's turbo vamps, you know, um, yeah. having a vampiric, like, mascot kind of was always going to be something it's a great album cover you should be proud of it for sure thanks man one of the few that i got one of those like seven inch frame cases where you put the vinyl in and then like fold out the album cover so i got like five of those because we did random color vinyl presses so i picked like my top like five colors that we got and then just had all the overlays of the album cover that's killer (laughs) Yeah, it is killer. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. My, 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 music. So thanks for being on the show, brother. Yeah, man. Awesome. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. So here it is, the end of episode one of season two. And uh, just so you know, we got some cool stuff coming out with our next episode. This stuff will be dropping in February and March. We're going to be releasing a coffee and hardcore coffee with Oak and Crow coffee and some hardcore mugs. That's right. We're dropping our own coffee. Like this is like dream come true for me. Like we we get free coffee to taste and, you know, review. Uh-oh. <laughs> but now we got our own stuff coming out. I think we got two different blends coming out, right? Correct. Medium yeah. and dark because yeah. I drink medium, you drink dark. That's right. That's right. And so we got we got cool mugs coming out which uh I'm drinking out of mine right now and it's pretty killer. Oh yeah. All right. Thanks to Larry. And, yes. For designing that. Uh but not only do we got the mugs coming out and the coffee coming out, we also got coffee and hardcore shirts coming out. We do. And then, uh, which are pretty killer, by the way. Crew, crew. Uh, <laughs> we also got uh, a 10-song kids cartoon theme song cover album from Two Minute Minor coming out on Coffee and Hardcore Records. All the songs are from the 80s and the 90s, and you might hear my kids on it. Oh, you will. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the rad thing about that is all the proceeds from that album are going to suicide prevention. All the online proceeds, right, are going to suicide prevention. No, all, all of it. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Okay, so yeah. everything is physical, going to Physical copies. Yeah, everything. That's awesome. And then, not only is all that stuff going on in February and March, but we also have Jacob from Oak and Crow joining us to talk to us again because we're going to talk about you know the coffee and hardcore brews that we're doing as well as some other cool stuff and i think we're going to talk about some band stories too 
once again because we had fun talking the last time and we got a ton we can talk about it even more it's true and uh we're also going to be chatting with the the guys from brutality coffee and reviewing their coffee as well that's right good, good stuff for the next episode that's right folks it's going to be a great second episode of season two uh we hope you enjoyed this episode and again sorry for taking december off but circumstances are out of our control the death of a loved one the holidays we just found it necessary to do so also like mick said the two minute minor uh kids albums coming out titled back in our day but a single of that drops uh and that's we're gonna do the jeffersons we're dropping the jeffersons as a nice. single and the pre-order comes out uh, January 22nd, Friday, January 22nd. And that is also Mick's birthday. It is. I'm, an old, man. I'm an old man. I'm turning 46. <laughs> nice. That's not old. <laughs> so, uh, hey, we'll see you in February, friends. And uh, this is Wiley Willis. And this is Mick Cox. Signing off. See ya. <laughs> Hi, this is HR Human Rights from Bad Brains, and you're listening to Coffee and Hardcore Podcast. Much love and positivity. Coffee and hardcore, 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 coffee and hardcore,